0: This episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon is brought to you by Amrita Bars, the best energy bars on earth. They are my absolute favorite, and you can get them with a discount of 15% off, and anything else at their website, 15% off, with the discount code ZEN, all capital letters, Z-E-N, at AmritaHealthFoods.com. They are fantastic. They're date-based, no nuts, but they have seeds and just a little bit of fat in them to make them well-rounded and they settle on the stomach. Super nice and I like to eat about half of one as I'm getting ready for a workout and then have just the most wonderful even energy throughout a workout and then wrap up the workout ...with the other half and they have come in all kinds of different flavors. It's really amazing stuff. Super healthy and you can have a big load off your mind that you're eating healthy and doing great stuff for your body while you're working out. And also just as a snack around the house for something healthy all day long. It's great stuff. Again, AmritaHealthFoods.com, A-M-R-I-T-A, 15% off with discount code ZEN. Go get you some. All right, let's start the show.
1: You are listening to ZEN and the Art of Triathlon.
0: Well, hey there, all you tri-freaks and geeks, and welcome to another episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. On this episode we have an interview with pro triathlete Mike Hermanson. I'm very proud to have him on the show. We did a nice Skype call and had a cool conversation that's really laid back all about what it takes to race pro, what the lifestyle's like the trainings like, any tips that he has, and also how he came from a background of an eating disorder, which is really neat, and overcame that using exercise to uh, make himself feel better, and then get a grip on, on eating and doing something with himself. It's a really nice story, and I'm honored to have him on the show, and he is one of uh, many athletes that we'll have on for Maverick Multisport. I'm super excited about that. And then uh, I also take you with me for a little bit of review of some equipment that I uh, have been doing, the Specialized Remora Bento Box, and then... Uh, The Specialized Trivent Expert Cycling Shoes, Triathlon Shoes, really, more than anything. And also, take you with me to uh, two, that's DOS, kids triathlons that Kai is in. And you get to hear some audio of racing out there and us cheering for them. And Kai got fourth and fifth in his age group at the two different races. One was dumping rain. Uh, Both of them were here in Texas, one in Austin and one in College Station. It's a lot of fun. Really, really cool stuff. So that's the uh, gist of the episode. But before we get started with the interview with Mike Hermanson, we ought to go ahead and get started with a little bit of triathlon news. Here we go. All right. The biggest thing in triathlon that's going on right now, it seems like is not a regular race, but a crazy race called the 50-50-50. And it's 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. And a guy named Iron Cowboy, which you may have heard of already, this is a pretty big deal, he is in Kentucky right now. I guess he's about 20 races or so in, maybe not quite that many. 20 states in, and he's trying to do 50 Ironmans in the 50 states, one in each state, in 50 days. And the hardest part is actually going from Hawaii to Alaska and then to the next state, which I guess was uh, Washington. If it, Basically... You have no sleep between races because you're traveling and he's trying to sleep in the back of an RV as he moves from state to state and you can go to Facebook and just search Facebook for Iron Cowboy and you will come up with pretty much where he's at, where he's been, and uh, if you search around long enough, you'll find out the agenda and where everything's going. Um, it's a little difficult, I would say, to kind of get a plan of what's going on because the situation is so fluid as he's uh, moving along. And there's, you know, it's all like volunteer and and uh, uh, supported by friends and family and people joining in to help get it done, just to see if he can do it. And it's absolutely amazing uh, the the support that's pouring in because uh, you can run part of the run with them if you want. You can do lots of it with them. At the end, the last five k of every day of the run, um, they have an official. Ish kind of 5k where lots of people join in and he's got his family with him it's uh, five kids it's like an advent the adventure of a lifetime and it's really really cool I encourage you to go check it out if he happens to be in your area when he is uh, doing his race day then uh, see if you can join in people that have joined in say it's very very inspirational and he is definitely the real deal as far as the feeling you get of doing something that is just absolutely amazing and moving. And unfortunately, a couple of days, he had to do the races um, indoors, which is both uh, easier and harder. So I guess it kind of evens out. Imagine I, I saw somebody comment, well, you know, biking 112 miles inside is is uh, on a trainer is not like biking outside. And I just asked back, have you ever ridden 112 miles on a trainer? Because if you haven't, then you don't know. (laughs) It's tough. I've ridden five hours on a trainer before and I about wanted to kill myself. It is absolutely horrible. And, uh, but I did it. And uh, to think of doing that, um, oh my gosh, it's just absolutely amazing. So, Go check them out. Again, Iron Cowboy. And also, we have another bout of insanity going on. My buddy, Jamie Patrick, who I swam across Lake Tahoe with once in the water. And then another time, he and I crewed uh, Morgan, my buddy Morgan Christensen. While Morgan swam across Lake Tahoe, the next summer, um, I was on the boat getting busy, getting seasick and being pretty much worthless half the time uh, And I swam some with with, uh, Morgan, too. Um, Jamie Patrick, also known as Ultra Swimmer uh, on Twitter, is swimming 78 miles nonstop along the western coastline of some of the Bermuda Islands. Apparently, this might be the longest documented observed swim. And you can go find out more at uh, thelongswim.com. And um, you would say, well, what about Diane Nyad? And I think there was um, below all the all the um, hubbub an amazing uh, swim that she did from Cuba to Florida, which was ninety miles. There was a little bit of undercurrent, get it? Of uh, you know, like maybe there wasn't an official observer on board, so who know who knows how much she stuck to the rules. So at this swim, uh, um, they're going to do an official observer just to make sure. And uh, he's doing it. Um, uh, he's doing it. English Channel rules, which means no aid of any kind, no no wetsuits, you know, stuff like that. And you can uh, throw people a bottle in the water and stuff like that. And there's going to be live tracking. By the time you get this podcast, it'll probably be over. But you'll be able to go to the website and go check it out. And of course, um, you follow me on Twitter, like you should. I tweet stuff like this and other stuff uh, all the time. So it's just a a big shout out to Jamie Patrick, hoping by the time you get this podcast that he made it okay and is not uh, shark food, which is a very real uh, possibility. And I hope he stays safe. He's a lot of fun and very motivated and very intense about his swimming. And when he's not swimming, he's a blast. So uh, best of luck to him. And then uh, last in uh, weird and wacky triathlon news is uh, WTC, which is the company that owns Iron Man, the Iron Man brand, found three more female Kona slots out of thin air. There they are. But they're not for the professional women. What? They're for the women for, of the tri board, uh, women for tri board, ah, women for tri board members which is like this really weird um, twist of events. You're like, what in the world is going on? Because Tri-Equal is the common uh, women's proponent group for uh, more uh, equal slots for female pros at Kona, the World Championships for Hawaii. And then WTC, Ironman, decided to appoint their own board of uh, consulting women, professional women, to... uh, to advise on how to get more women in triathlon for some reason, instead of just giving the women the equal slots. And then uh, (laughs) somehow they got themselves, (laughs) they found three more slots, but for themselves and not for the pro women that the whole point of the uh, issue was brought up in the first place. Uh, I'm as confused as you are. I may have some of these details wrong, but I think they're right. So go to Twitter, Go to slowtwitch.com. See if you can find out what you uh, want to know. Tweet. Uh, it's either CEO Iron Man or Ironman CEO CEO uh, on Twitter. And ask him what is up with that. It's very odd and interesting. All right. Leave me out of it. I just report the news. I'm not a female pro, so I don't know all the details. I ask Hillary Biscay. She is my favorite go-to on uh pro women's uh, issues on this stuff and oh uh, uh, well there's a lot of people that I know of that uh, you should go check it out anyway let's uh, let's go ahead and get started with our interview with uh, Mike Hermanson yeah I keep <laughs> when I was a kid uh, not that long ago actually my dad worked on, worked on the Herman hospital my dad's an engineer. And I keep wanting to say Herman, and I know it's more than that. So I say Herman's son, and then I got to go back and figure out the first name. This is all in spite of having a really nice long talk with him. I was really inspired by him, and uh, I have a similar issue as Mike where I, uh, if I don't exercise enough, I get depressed. And I've had people tell me before, hey, you know, you exercise uh, too much. And actually, it's my way to work off uh, extra energy. And it soothes me. And I know lots of people like this um, that have turned their lives around through exercise. And it's a real honor to have somebody on the show to, to uh, take it uh, to the level that he has and actually be a professional athlete with it and then uh, over time find balance and find himself. It's really really cool. And again I'd like to thank Maverick Multisport for putting us in touch. And we have somebody else from Maverick Multisport lined up a person you might know of called Leslie which I'm really honored to have her on the show soon as well. Alright, well, let's go ahead and get started started with Mike Hermanson. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the next level hey dude I'm back <laughs> it fixed it awesome are you there okay yeah
2: yeah, can you hear, yeah I don't have a um, microphone or anything like that is that gonna be a problem no I just... can hear you just fine okay um, like people expect more out of me
0: than they do the person I'm interviewing <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? I guess that
2: some of the pressure off, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry at all. Uh, but if I sound like crap, they're like, "Oh man." Um, so I listen to it
2: every day, or not every day, like every podcast. Yeah, if you're, if you're sounding bad.
0: Yeah, I used to get emails back when I was recording with really junk gear, but
2: um, really, people would like call you out on that. Seems kind of
0: <laughs> no, like um, they would more. You know, the right way to do stuff is to give tips, you know, but when you get enough of them about the same thing, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> uh, you're like but, oh, okay, I think I need to get a better, a better mic or figure out something. Um, yeah. But the, the whole podcast community and, and listeners, I mean, if they're listening to you already, they like you, you know, and they just want to help out, which is really cool. So, yeah. So they weren't like,
2: they weren't like mean about it then. They were just. No, just no. constructive criticism. because some no. people are like. I don't know. The internet's just a very easy place to be mean. <laughs> you yeah, know how it is.
0: yeah, and uh, uh, on the rarest of occasion, probably over ten years, like one or two times, I've had to say, "How about you? How about I refund you back the money I you paid me for this show?" <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> and then you don't ever hear back from them. So, yeah, I wanted to um, to get you on the show because I've been interviewing some people from Maverick Multisport which is super cool. Your team manager, there you are on video. How's it going? Oh, oh, you went away. Okay. (laughs) Your team manager is doing a really good job of trying to get his athletes out there. You've got
2: a a phenomenal job. I don't even know how amazing.
0: I I told him that I actually want to get him on the show at some point as an interviewee, uh, like how he runs a team, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, because that's so cool what he's doing. And then they, um, to get all those bikes, and stuff for you guys, and all that gear is really hard work.
2: Yeah, it's insane that he can get all that, like, mid-January, we mm-hmm. had everything. The only little hiccup we had was uh, our clothing arrived, like, 24 hours late, so we...
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs>
2: uh, we were up, like, until... I think I was up until, like, 1 or 2 in the morning to get a photo shoot for all my stuff, so it was just, like, the yeah. next morning, we had to be at the pool for another photo shoot, so I was, like, not a whole lot of sleep, but... Yeah. You just roll with it, and but I mean, that was nothing that he had any control over. You know, everything yeah. was just like, I don't know. Isn't he does a phenomenal job? Yeah. So he just, uh, he just lives probably like ten, fifteen minutes from me. Yeah. So. So where are um, you right now?
0: What what town are you in?
2: Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was yeah. reading
0: your um, profile on, uh, I like your website, the Mike Hermanson.
2: <laughs> well, Mike com was already taken. So, uh, I had a, a housemate at the time and I was like, so I don't know what to do with my website. And he would graduate from Ohio state. Uh-huh. So he was like, how about the Mike Hermanson? And I was like, I guess that's easy. Yeah. So It's <laughs> it funny. I
0: cracked, it. I laughed to myself when I read it. <laughs> I was like, that's how you do it. That's exactly how you yeah. do it. Yeah. So, um,
2: like some try or something. It's just a little different.
0: Yeah. But in your story um, about yourself, the uh, you had something really uh, unfortunate happen at first, but then you turned it around and made it work for you, where you were really depressed when you were uh, like a young teenager?
2: Yeah, I was uh, like 13 or 14 yeah. years old. I'll kind of started basically like that summer before freshman year of high school. And honestly, I don't even really know what triggered it. It just kind of happened. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the next thing you know... I I mean, I was already pretty light to begin with because I had just done like so many sports and uh, did a little bit of wrestling my eighth grade year. So oh, okay. um, I dropped, I think it's maybe about 130 or so, and I dropped down to, like 110 or 115. But I was like... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I was probably like 5'11 then. So, yeah. I mean, looking back at pictures of myself, I don't really like to do that. But it's it's like scary to yeah. to me to look at it. So... Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, definitely had the right people in my life. Mm -hmm. Had a good support system with some friends and church and stuff like that. Yeah, so my parents were.
0: So, what did they tell you? They told you to, um, they encouraged you to go out and run, or or what sport was it? Was it running? Yeah, I was running. I had a,
2: a, after I made like enough of recovery, you Mm -hmm. know, um, I forget the weight was that I got to, but they're like, all right, you can start running now or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I had a really good friend who lived like one town east of us, yeah. uh, and he's like a phenomenal runner. Yeah. He, he's since pretty much given it up, but he was like on the cusp of the Virgin, uh, being on the Olympic squad. Wow. Uh, so he kind of got me into running and um, did cross country my sophomore year. Uh, I pretty much just did track my junior and senior because everybody else was doing it. I really didn't like it that much, yeah. just because <clears throat> not a huge fan of running in circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I did that, and then um, when I turned sixteen, I started riding my bike everywhere because yeah. I was only—I mean, I was making like five fifty an hour working at a basically a local KFC,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and. Um, started some of my junior year and just put all three of them together and so it's a kind of a slow progression into it, but I didn't really know anyone that'd done a triathlon before. I was just kinda of like, ah, I think there's this thing called triathlon. Yeah. Maybe I'll i do not even I don't even know how I heard about it. It was just like, I'm just gonna do one. Yeah. So
0: yeah, when I first found our- out about them, I was like, no way. And then I found I figured out I'd already been doing them on my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I was uh surfing. I lived in San Diego and I was surfing in the morning, oh. mountain biking at lunch and in the afternoon. And then on a rare occasion running in the evening with my wife. And I was like, "Oh, I'm already I'm already doing it, you know?" And so I got yeah, into it like
1: that.
2: Tough. Surfing's I mean, really really
0: hard. Yeah. If
2: you want to call it surfing, I have at least attempted it. Yeah. I wrote in like one wave, so I guess I can say I surfed, but yeah. yeah, it like, it takes so much energy out of you. It's insane. Like I remember like the first time I did, I tried it for like an hour and I was just laying on the couch like the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so I scary. love that
0: feeling though. Like it wears you out. And I actually, I love nature and being outside so much in the beach that I didn't yeah. even, I mean, I kind of cared if I caught some waves, you know, but like one or two waves, even, even though I've been out there an hour. It's just like one or two waves just to validate that was actually surfing, you know, like catching a wave. But the rest of the time I'm just paddling around and and San Diego's got some dolphins and some stingrays and some crazy crap out there. So it's kind of fun. Just kind of paddling around. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So um, this, you, you did some, you did some races and then like you dove into, to um, Ironman Louisville. Was that your first full Man. It,
2: it was actually my second okay. i did ironman wisconsin and uh i think it was 2007 was my first one dude in Ohio, i did like too
0: a, we were there together really yeah <laughs> you probably beat first? me by a lot
2: <laughs> uh, probably didn't actually i finished right around 11 hours um, it didn't really go very well for me but- i
0: did 12, I did almost 13 hours, but it was my first one, and I was a, a yeah. bit overweight, and I was just dying. I, I was trying to beat a friend, and I beat my friend by like one minute well, or nine minutes. Yeah.
2: A win to win, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I put on my Twitter handle, you know, the, your location, you know, where they say you put your hometown. I put nine minutes ahead of the, that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Funny.
2: Yeah. Did, you, yeah. did he have a Twitter too, or so he could, like, no, dude, he was a
0: one and doneer. Like, he was like, I, that's it. Like, um, he yeah. tried to keep doing it, but then his wife got pregnant and they were doing, um, fertility drugs. So she got pregnant with triplets and oh, he's,
2: well,
1: <laughs> all of, Yeah, and
0: he was like, well, I guess my raisin's over. And I'm like, yep. I didn't give him any pressure over it at all. I'm like, dude, you need to take well, care of if, that.
2: If they're going to go for three kids, it's probably almost better to have them all at the same time. so mm-hmm. you get all the documents that it's done. It's like all consolidated. You don't have to do it three times.
0: Go to Costco, them- <laughs> get everything in bulk. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, exactly. So you did Wisconsin. Right? So you did, like, you said, like, about 11 hours?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was about 11 hours.
0: Yeah. And then what was, why do you say that wasn't great? Like, uh, did you, what part did you struggle with?
2: Well, to make it uh, as short as possible, without going into <laughs> a ton of detail. I overheated in the swim. I had, like, a, it was, like, whatever the wetsuit cutoff was, I, think I was, like, 78 then or something like that. Yeah. It was, like, 77.8. Yeah, like so yeah, it was kind of more. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I had just bought a full-sleeve wetsuit, and I was like, "Uh, you know, everyone else is doing it. I'll buy a full-sleeve, put it on, and I was a pretty good swimmer. I was better. I feel like I was a better swimmer back then because I had was like fresh out of high school, and I swam basically year-round for two years. Yeah. Um. So I had one of the better swims I got out, and there's that double helix going up to the top of the garage where transition is. And after the wetsuit stripper took off my wetsuit, I remember like running towards the the double helix, and also my vision just went like. It like completely disappeared. I couldn't see hardly anything. I was leaned against the concrete pillar in the center and just kind of like oh, yeah. stumbling stairs. Uh, and then I got to the top and my legs seized up. I spent like 25 minutes in in T1, just like wow, laying down. that's a long time. Yeah. That's the longest T1 I've heard of. Yeah. I've got yeah, some really well, embar-
0: I've got some embarrassing T1, so it's okay. But that's a long time. Dude. Yeah, well, I didn't,
2: I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I did a really long time. I didn't go to. Uh, the awards banquet. The next day, because I had to get back to, co- uh, get back to college, like uh-huh. as possible. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like, at pretty much all the award ceremonies I've been to, they always do like a joke for the longest transitions. Uh huh. And be like, oh my gosh, someone had like a 35 minute t2. Like, what were you doing there? And so I kind of wonder if I had like won that award. Yeah. If you want to call it like that? But I, mean, I just wasn't there to be called out for it. But yeah. So then my, like I guess my legs seized up, <clears throat> and I couldn't even do a full pedal stroke on the bike. So I got on the bike and I was like pumping with my my left leg until that was loose enough where I could make a full pedal stroke. And then I got my right leg clipped in and was pumping up and down Uh to like make a full pedal stroke. Uh, So yeah, I mean, made it to the finish line. It wasn't pretty. I was like so ignorant about nutrition and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure I started burning burning protein because I smelled like ammonia after the race. Yeah, I smelled like a horse barn. It was really, it was disgusting.
0: That's interesting.
2: All Yeah, so I was just like totally depleted, and yeah, it was bad. I've gotten but...
0: worse with my nutrition since then. Like uh, that one, <laughs> that one I did, and I, you know, I, I you kind of get kind of bonky and kind of sick to your stomach towards the end. But um, I still was able to, you know, run, walk like as fast as I could to the end, and uh, and that. But I remember when I finished after that race, uh, I remember how many like
2: I ate like two or three bags of Dorito chips for the salt. I know. Yeah. I remember crossing the finish line. They're like, "There's Gatorade over there, and there's power <laughs> bars over there." I'm like, "No, that's the last thing I want." Chicken I was broth. Like, give I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, "Give me like salty, yeah, Give me something really bad and yeah. salty. That's but, what I want." But what I
0: like about Iron Man's is like, um, I was just talking with a a friend that he did. He he was kind of mad that his sprint triathlon didn't go very well, and I'm like, "Dude, sprints are." He had, he had trouble on the swim. Not He's a great swimmer, but he had just an issue. And uh, I was like, sprint triathlons, you know, anything gets messed up, it majorly impacts your time. And, like, Ironmans, oh, yeah. Iron you can be, like, I, I said uh, people will have, like, two flat tires and still win the entire Ironman. And then, uh, like, uh, there was one, I forgot who it was, Meredith Kessel. No, I forgot. Down in Australia, like, just recently, like, she stopped and put I guess maybe it was a half. I don't remember what distance it was. But anyway, stopped and she was in the lead, and she stopped and put a lube on her feet, and then put her shoes back on, and they kept on running, and still ran, still won. Really? I didn't hear that story, but <laughs> yeah. I believe it. They were on the cameras, were all on. It. it was live coverage. They're like, "What is she doing? Oh my God, she's out!" And they're like, "No, she was just putting a lube on her feet because she was getting blisters, and then yeah. took off again." Yeah, she's like, "Next time I I'm got gonna to wear probably
2: socks." for a long Thirty seconds. Yeah, but seconds. like,
0: but yeah, people think that that about. I mean, my point is, is yeah, you can have crazy stuff happen on an uh, on the longer races, and and still be able to recover. It's from more it. about it's more about how you how you handle the things that go wrong than than things yeah, going exactly wrong because right. you're gonna stuff's gonna go wrong. The race is so long; lots of stuff's gonna go
2: not the way you planned, at least. Yeah, everyone's gonna have something go wrong. It's just yeah. how drastic it is and how you handle it.
0: So then you turned around uh, uh, pretty soon after that. And then uh, how much later did you get first in your age group at Louisville? I think it was in
2: 2008. Yeah, I had like the best face of my life at that point. Yeah, I think I did like, I don't remember what it was. Maybe like a, it was either like a a high nine or a low 10. I don't remember Mm -hmm. exactly, but it was a hot year. I think it was the year that uh, Max Longry won it. Mm-hmm. And he had like a giant cheeseburger waiting for him at the finish line. He took a big bite of it. That was this celebratory thing at the finish line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my goal for that, well, my goal for Wisconsin too was to qualify for Kona. That was kind of like uh-huh. my dream. it uh, you so it was like, going well, into it,
0: of... you felt like you could you could uh, do it. Like you knew from your numbers or and your training and stuff.
2: I didn't really know. I was uh-huh. training by heart rate and was like just. Doing it worked. I, right. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have a coach. I just was doing like a bunch of group rides and solo rides and swimming by myself, all sorts of stuff. So kind you're of, saying uh, train by
0: yourself and don't have a coach and you'll win your age group.
2: <laughs> it might work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I might put a few people out of business if I endorse that. But yeah, so then the following year, I pretty much... I wouldn't say I really changed a whole lot of my training. I just was smarter about nutrition and... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
0: like, what did you do nutrition wise that was different?
2: I think I was just, I was still mentally like kind of recovering from that eating disorder and depression thing. Mm -hmm. So like, even during my training in 2007, I was just very consumed with weight and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And just counting calories and stuff like that. So I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure I went into the race depleted. Yeah. 2008. I would say, obviously, I was a little bit better because I had a much better race, but definitely still kind of struggling with that whole eating disorder and depression thing. But maybe not quite as much. Mm -hmm. wasn't so concerned about. I was, I know, I was a few pounds heavier in two thousand eight, maybe like three or four pounds heavier than I was in Wisconsin. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. um, So then, funny story: when I ended up qualifying, I was I was my senior year of college, and I remember, like, swiping my credit card and thinking, like, okay, it's, or I swiped my credit card and then this guy that happened to qualify as well, and my parents were down there racing, and they were just randomly next to his wife on huh. race day, and they got to know each other. So we were just talking in the line, and afterwards, when we paid for it, and he was like, "Well, you better get ready; it's gonna be here before you know." It. And I looked at him, and I was like, "It's like 13 months away, or whatever, 14 months away," and he was like, "No, no." You're going this year, and I was like, and I looked at my paper, and it said October, whatever date it was, two thousand eight, and I was like, oh.
0: So did you hey. accidentally hit that, or that that was mandatory that you go? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. So up until like August thirty first, you qualify for the same calendar year for Kona.
0: Oh, and when was the race? Keep... August, middle of August.
2: Uh, end of August. Like it was the di- it was Labor Day weekend, so it uh-huh. was pretty much. The last weekend in August that sucks. And yeah, yeah, so I had I had moved down to college. I lived off campus that year. Got there a couple of weeks before the race, or maybe a week before the race. Went down and did the race, and then started started school on Tuesday because Labor Day was Monday. Um, I think they, they ought not, to do. Yeah.
0: I think they ought to do like if it's f- like like up to like four months away, they give you a choice. You know what I mean? Like this year or next would, year?
2: Yeah, it would be better, but. I mean, they got to make sure they have all those spots filled too. Cause yeah, but I think in the them. end, it'll even out. Yeah. But
0: anyway. Yeah,
2: maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but So yeah, so my mom and dad were like, Are you going to be able to get off of school? And I was like, We'll make it happen. Like, yeah. my professors will understand because I was taking a pretty light load. I had brought in like 20 or 24 credits into college my freshman year from mm-hmm. like dual enrolling in high school and then a community college. Yeah. So I had a pretty easy senior year. My last semester, I had like, a four-day weekend every weekend, and only classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I had like eight credits; it was a joke. But <laughs> <laughs> so even my even my uh, my fall semester, I think I had like thirteen credits instead of doing like or twelve credits instead of doing like fifteen or sixteen like I had before. So it was definitely manageable. I had to bring some work with me to Hawaii and do some schoolwork out there. But my professor's uh, just my professor's <laughs> Yeah,
0: you're in Hawaii doing schoolwork. you
2: got to do what you got to do yeah you got to do what you got to do that's sacrifices yeah yeah
0: no my mom is a uh was a college counselor and i remember my senior year last semester she said um take a light load like uh try to try to engineer your school your school calendar so that your are the last semester of your senior year you can take a light load so you actually have time to go apply for jobs and stuff
2: like that i would agree with that 100 percent. i remember like Sitting back and just being like, I have eight credit hours. I'm working like 20 hours a week or whatever as a lifeguard, and I'm still able to train. And I've got a job. And I remember some of my, mostly the because I was in I was in nursing school, so it was mostly girls. They were just like freaking out because they had 15 or 16 credits, uh-huh. trying to find a job. And I was just like, I have all the time in the world. Yeah. It was just like so relaxed in my last my last year. It did. The only reason I had it that way is because I went to a small school and I had to wait around a semester to take anatomy and physiology too because I had taken level one mm-hmm. at a community college high school, um, my senior year, so I had to wait around. Otherwise I would have made it out in three and a half years. Yeah. So it was like a ten thousand dollar <laughs> easy last semester, but yeah. you just do what you gotta do. So, I, rem-
0: I remember that in, it being in line at graduation with I went to Texas A and M and it's you know 60,000 students. So, like, you're, it's huge. They do graduation over three days with different yeah. groups, and they. Um, I remember people around me just freaking out about no, you know, do you have a job yet? Do you have a job yet? Do you have a job yet? And I'd already landed one, and I was, I was so happy. <laughs> it sounded what? really stressful.
2: What were you going to school for?
0: Uh, geography, and right. then, um, I got a master's in um, through the forestry department in um, GIS, which is kind of like, it's kind of like Google Maps, like uh, intelligent mapping stuff. So I manage a system that does that. But um, back to you, you were saying uh, my wife is a nurse. And uh, so are you uh, LVN, RN, or or what are you? RN. You're an RN?
2: Uh, Yeah. Cool. So how much do
0: you work compared to training?
2: Right now, um, I'm doing home health nursing. Uh And my boss is actually pretty awesome. She's um, pretty flexible with my schedule. As long as I tell her that I have a race this weekend or whatever, she just makes sure that I'm not on call right. that weekend. Um, but I'm part-time there. I do two days, one week, and then three days the following week. Um, and as long as I hit, I guess, um, quota, if you want to call it that, because you get paid by the visit, not by the hour. Right. Um, so as long as I hit how many points I'm supposed to do in a week, they don't really care. Right. I mean, I could work more if I wanted to, but I don't really want to. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's worked out pretty good. I was working in a hospital setting for probably about five, four, four or five years, four and a half years, yeah. something like that. And I was working at L Hospital downtown, and it was a, a level one trauma hospital and a stroke center. So,
0: Whoa.
2: Um, yeah, I I worked on a, a transitional care floor. Uh-huh. And we saw all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like chest tubes, you know, yeah. all sorts of crazy yeah. trauma. I won't go into details so we don't lose some listeners for yeah. you, but uh, <laughs> some pretty crazy stuff. So I feel like I got to see a lot of things and built a lot of confidence, where I can go into a person's house and yeah. feel very comfortable with what I run into, whatever it might be. So,
0: yeah, that's pretty nuts. So. um If I had things to do over again, I've strongly considered like I would have been a nurse because you can move easily, can't you? You can get a job somewhere else. And so if you want to move to San Diego or you want to move to Boulder or you want to move to wherever, Florida, right, you could pretty easily. You'd have to take the state exam, right, and pass that, but then that's it.
2: Yeah, I'm not actually sure how that works, honestly. I know like as a national Mm -hmm. test that you take called the NCLEX, and then I think it's just a matter of applying for a license. I think they just do like different states do different things and different uh, states have like a, like a, comp, they call them compact states and Kentucky is one of them. So you could practice, you can have a license in Kentucky and practice in maybe like 13 or 14 other states. Oh, okay. Without yeah. going yeah. It's through, without going through all their, <laughs> yeah, basically without going through all the yeah. little background checks or whatever that they do. Um, but yeah, I think... If we did move, which isn't gonna happen, uh-huh. it would probably have to be Florida because my wife would have a would probably not want to go anywhere where there's not a beach if we're not gonna be in Kentucky. So yeah. Florida's got <laughs> nice probably, beaches. Yeah, really, really yeah. nice. If it was if it was my choice, I'd probably I'm really happy in Kentucky. Uh-huh. I love it here, movable Um but I don't think I would move to Boulder. I think I would do either like Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh yeah. Or um Maybe like Bend, Oregon. Oh,
0: have you been there? I, I've been to Bend for a week. I have, oh, yeah, my God. I've been there
2: before. I did my first year racing as a pro, Rep Three had the race out in Portland. Uh huh. And I did that race and I had like amazing homestays or yeah. a homestay when I was out there. And I told them before, I was like, you know, I'm going to take some vacation time and I'm going to camp. And they're like, oh, well, we got a tent and a sleeping bag and all sorts of stuff that you can use. And I was like, oh, well, great. So yeah. they like, Gave me all this stuff. I took my rental car and did some camping in Bend, Oregon, and went to like Crater Lake and did some whitewater rafting, some hiking. Yeah, Uh, it was just basically it was a solo vacation for like four or five days after the race, and then came home. So
0: Bend is unbelievable. It's 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 paradise. It's incredible. It is. I mean, you can
2: do something different there every single day for like probably two weeks or more on a vacation and not run out of things to do. Yeah, like there's just so much cool stuff.
0: The beach is like two, two and a half hours away and it's not much of a surfing beach or beachy beach. It's kind of cold, you know, but still, yeah, if you had to, it's not like you live in like Iowa or, or Kansas, you know, and could never right. get to the beach. Yeah. I would you could never still live
2: in it. either of those states. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you could move to Texas and when you get your nursing license here, they give you a gun, you know, you just shoot at oil oh. wells and horses and stuff.
2: Wow. Part I'd of test. Shoot one first. I'd have to learn how to shoot one first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: people here are a little over enthusiastic about their guns it's pretty
2: crazy well, so it is it is texas it is texas <laughs> you never
0: know man somebody might attack we have to be armed at uh, all times uh,
2: the <laughs> close to mexico right so, <laughs> oh yeah they might they might <laughs>
0: attack the 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 mexican air force is always threatening and navy is always threatening you know come invade so we got to be ready the uh <laughs> so uh the you could tell like yeah, I'm not a big fan of all that. But the uh, the uh, let's talk about your training and, and racing. Um, okay. Some tips for uh, people out there. So how long have you been a pro for?
2: Uh, this will be my third full season. I turned oh. pro in 2012. Uh, I, looking back on it, probably a bit prematurely. It just kind of happened. Yeah. I was trying. I was trying to, and I qualified per the USAT standards. Mm-hmm. So I took it. Um, but I definitely think it was a bit premature, but I've gotten better since then and yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold my own I guess a little bit, but um so yeah, this is my my third full year racing so pro.
0: I would say like I don't know. I I've been doing this for a while and I talked to a lot of pros and stuff and there there is that thing where, you know, like there's a stigma where like a, a crappy pro versus a decent pro and stuff like that. But I think your first year as a yeah. pro, I mean, you got to learn how to race like a pro in the first it's a different place. style Yeah. It's a yeah. different style
2: of racing. It really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, the swim is just like astronomically more important. Right. You Like, it's just, if you don't make that front pack, mm-hmm. and you're playing catch up the rest of the day. It's mentally draining. It's physically draining. It's just a, it's just a different style of racing.
0: Yeah. So, I did a uh Galveston, which was nice and flat, uh, and I I rode the legal distance behind several people in front of me, and it was dramatically easier. Like, uh, oh yeah, staying
2: was with it somebody. three? Is it three bike lengths for an age grouper? Like, no, it's like four. It's
0: y'all's it was maybe five. Yeah, maybe
2: it was. not. Nah. I think it's three. I it think was thirty-four. Long,
0: like, it was thirty-two or it was thirty-two feet. So it was a good ways. I looked it up before I did the race.
2: So it's like 8 meters, I think roughly. I think it's
0: 5 and y'all have five. 6 or something. Anyway, but I could tell it was 10 it was like 15 20 watts um, yeah, easier. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, and I was <laughs> I was trying to hold on to this guy so that I could I could uh use him and it ended up cooking me a little bit. But the uh um yeah, so I could see how like if you lose your your guy then or the pack you're kind of screwed yeah. in a race. Yeah, I mean, if you got a
2: group of like six guys all lined up at their legal distance, that guy in the front got to be doing like 20 or 30 watts more mm-hmm. than the guy all the way in the back. Um, yeah. And if you're trying to catch up to that group be- because of just like the airfoil that they're making, the guy at the front pushing whatever amount of watts he's doing, if you're to, you know, gram for or kilogram, for kilogram, the same thing, pushing the same watts, yeah.
1: they're going to be
2: going faster just because they're in a group. Yeah. So you really yeah. gotta be doing like a lot more to catch up to them. So if you don't miss, if you miss that group, it's like, you better hope that you're a really good runner, <laughs> <off the bike laughs> legendary runner, because
0: yeah. they're all great runners too. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And their legs are probably a little more fresh, even though they're going faster, because they're just in the group. So. so,
0: do do you um, how much pressure is there to to uh, rotate out?
2: Not that it's a pack, but for somebody to take. No, the, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I think there's race etiquettes. I've been in packs before and you, someone will kind of be like, you know, they like kind of pop their elbow out a little bit, like, all right, I'm done. Someone else come around. Yeah. So they definitely yeah. work together. There's communication going on. Yeah. Uh, it's Which just all are pretty etiquette. far
0: apart, right? I mean, it's hard to communicate totally. Not like you're riding side by side or anything.
2: Right. But there's like, you can do like little hand signals and uh-huh. stuff like that. Like I was riding with, um, with AJ, Baco, and Chris McDonald for like the last, 20 miles at new Orleans this year. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely like working together because it w- we were coming in with the wind. So if you were in the front of that, of that group of three that we were in, um, it was significantly more watts. And if you were in the back, I would say it was probably close to like 50 Watts less with that wind. It yeah. was crazy yeah. how much difference there was. So um, yeah, you can tell when the, took-
0: you, you hear somebody like freewheeling back there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, yeah. come on,
0: dude! <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. Take a turn at the front. Take, take, take your turn, yeah. yeah. Pay your dues. That's why people probably start yelling, right, when you see it on the video footage. You can't really hear them. the pros like turning around. Like, come yeah. on! Yeah. Or can I hear you freewheeling back, back there? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so then, uh, uh, oh, you were, um, weren't you, uh, uh, rookie of the year or something like that?
2: Yeah, for 2013. So they don't count like that first partial season. They count your rookie season as your first full season. Yeah. Uh, So uh, 2013 would have been my, technically, my rookie year. Right. Uh, So early 2014 is when they handed out that award if you even want to call it handing out an award, they basically send you an email and say, hey, congratulations, and they put your mug shot in the USAT magazine, and that's literally about all they do. Do you get to, <laughs> so, do you get to pick the mug shot? <laughs> yeah, is... you can pick it. You can okay. pick it, and they give you, like, basically the 160-character sentence that you can be like, oh, thank you to yeah. so-and-so, yeah. and blah, 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 so you put, yeah, it's kind of, like, it's good to put on your resume, Yeah, but, like, you don't get I feel like USAT it. should do something, like, even send you a plaque would be great. Like you could just hang it on your wall and look at it, I guess. But yeah, it's basically just, you know, they say, Hey, congratulations. And that's about it. So,
0: so on your, um, in your training, uh, what do you consider like some critical workouts that have made a big difference with you? Like, like that, that got you, you know, your first win at, um, at Louisville, as an age grouper and and qualified you for Kona and then as a pro, like things that make a big difference. I know the pro, like you were saying, you have to work on your swimming a lot, but like for the age groupers out there, um, like what's some stuff that you found out is, a is some critical things that they probably ought to know.
2: I think probably the the biggest thing that I noticed when I went from coaching myself to hiring a coach, Uh um, and what I've observed other age groupers doing is they just ride a lot of zone two and zone three like all the time. And then they expect on race day to be able to go faster than that. Um, so I think as much as people hate their trainers, it's very important to use them. Like I use mine during the summer probably like once a week just yeah. because yeah. it's a very good tool to use. Um, especially if I'm going to do like really, really hard intervals or maybe a race simulation. I like to do it on a trainer just because like, I don't have to worry about crashing anything. At, yeah, like, crashing 40 miles or an hour, hour dogs or whatever. So yeah. I can just have a copy trainer. So I just set the watts where I want to set it yeah. and I pull up Netflix and keep myself distracted for a little while. Okay. And so yeah. I would say don't be afraid of using your trainer. And especially during the winter, like a lot of people um, are just all about base mileage during the winter. And not to say that's not important, mm-hmm. but I think it's also important to work on that threshold and try and raise it during those like months of December, January, February, March, because once you hit race season in April or May, you're not really going to see a whole lot of improvement because you're basically just in race mode, recovery, taper, maintenance for the rest of the year. Um, so maybe like, you know, like a 90 minute or 120 minute workout where you're going really hard for Three, not all at once, but you know, you got like an hour's worth of hard intervals in there. And then the rest of it is just kind of spinning and yeah. stuff like that.
0: I've heard that saying where, um, triathlon is a winter sport that plays out in summer.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, true. I've never actually heard it like that, but no, that's a hundred percent true.
0: Yeah. Do you work your ass off in the winter so that in the summer you can race and, and, uh, be where you want to be? Cause if you skip the winter, then you're you kind of shortened yourself.
2: You're screwed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well then, uh, let's talk about your uh, your gear setup uh, on your bike. These these Argons that you guys are riding are so pretty. They're beautiful. No, they there. are awesome. With a, you have Envy wheels and and such on there. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's great, man. And the, uh, um, so how do you set up your bike? Like, uh, where do you put? What do you have on your bike, and where do you put it? And uh, and like how do you get to it and things like that and and also like um
2: as far as like bottle placement yeah
0: like what what do you put in your bottles and where do you put them and like bento box situation and then uh do you stop for on the bike and on the run do you stop for uh, special needs bags or do you skip that I know it kind of varies per person so
2: yeah um well for an iron man i'll start out with three bottles of infinite i have a custom mix that they they can make it for anyone, really. Yeah, just I just gotta... used
0: that just today. It was incredible.
2: No, it is awesome. I've, yeah, I've actually a little sidebar here. I did a transition clinic today with some local triathletes uh-huh. that are doing like their first race and whatever. And I stayed afterwards and like talked like three of them into buying Infinite because they're like, <laughs> well, "What?". Are you but yeah, so I think it's <laughs> the best thing out there. But disclaimer: I am sponsored by them. But I was using it for like probably two years before I turned pro. So uh-huh. It's like. I use so many different things. But, anyways, back to your question. So, during an Ironman, I'll start with like three vials of Infinite on the bike one on the arrow bars, one on the, um, the down tube, and uh-huh. then one behind the seat. Okay. Uh, and when I'm running from like the tent to my bike, I'll have some diluted Infinite makes a product called Napalm. Uh-huh. It's basically their version of a gel, but it's liquid. Yeah. Uh, So I'll have some of that diluted in a bottle so I can get some hydration from it and also get some calories Uh that you burn during the swim that obviously you can't take in before I even hop on the bike. And I'll drink that first bottle of Infinite pretty more quickly than I normally would just so that I can replace it with a bottle of water uh, at an aid station. And then when I get special needs, oh, sorry, I'll I'll also have two flasks of napalm with Mm -hmm. me, one with caffeine and one without caffeine. Okay. I'll use the one without caffeine first, and then switch over to caffeine, basically about halfway through the bike ride yeah. or so. And then I definitely I use special needs bags because I really think that the power the Bahara reform or whatever they have on the course now is garbage. It's basically just like glorified <laughs> Kool Aid. Yeah, and it upsets my stomach a lot. So I put three more bottles of Infinite in my bike special needs bag, and another flask of Infinite or another flask of Napalm Palm with the um, caffeine in it so you're doing the thing so,
0: where you're kind of with all those bottles you're kind of diluting your infinite as much as you can so it's not too strong on your stomach is that the
2: reason I mix behind it how they, I'm, no I mix it how they tell you to two scoops a bottle uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. like some people will concentrate it infinite is actually you can probably put like five or six bottles worth into one bottle and it will still dissolve completely it dissolves like yeah. incredible
1: that's what I do yeah um,
2: I just don't like doing it because I don't do it on training, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to try and figure that out while I'm racing. So I just I go through like six bottles of infinite and probably about six bottles or more of water during the during the bike ride. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then like three six ounce flasks of napalm.
1: Yeah.
2: And then on the run, I basically just use I use salt tabs on the bike too, so I hit my thousand milligrams of sodium an hour. Yeah. And then on the run, I pretty much just carry a flask of napalm with me with the caffeine in it, and then I grab water and Coke on the Mm -hmm. course and then get another flask of it, a special needs bag. So I think – Wow,
0: you really are using that special needs bag. You're getting three bottles of Infinite out of that on the bike. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of people ask me the question, like, well, should I use what's on the course? And it's like, well, if it doesn't work for you, why are you going to use it? You know, it's kind of just like, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't use it just because it's out there. Like you can be totally self-sufficient out there minus basically water and Coke. You want to use Coke and not use anything on the course and your stomach's not going to be happy or not, you know, get distressed and Mm -hmm. get GI problems out there. So um, I get that question all the time about using Ironman Perform just because it's on the course and it's like, no. It's weird,
0: (laughs) you know, like when I look at the ingredients of Ironman Perform. It looks okay,
2: but it doesn't work. It,
0: no. you know, it doesn't I work. The, I think
2: the silliest thing that a lot of sports drinks do is they add food coloring to it. Yeah. And it's like yeah. what's the point? Like I know. everyone I know. knows food coloring's bad for you. Marketing. So why are you putting it in your drink, yeah. you know? So or like Gatorade yeah, then-
0: has like flame retardant in it or something. <laughs> 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 You're like why you know and they're like well it helps yeah. it
2: settle and it's like
0: okay you don't need that at all that's like, crazy yeah
2: yeah that's crazy but uh, so anyways that's my shameless plug for infinite i love it like I oh yeah
0: it. i do i agree 100 percent. and it's fantastic yeah so do you on your between you do the between the arms bottle like everybody's doing now
2: yeah so i uh which, what kind do you have- use? I have the profile design. I forget exactly what the model's called, but it's just profile design, the one that, um, I don't know how to describe it. It, it like, has a special bottle with a straw on it, and then it has a little bridge that
1: mm-hmm.
2: closes the bottle cage to keep it from rocketing out. Because, um, mm-hmm. and part of it's just my body geometry. My arms are kind of, I'm basically all torso. Mm-hmm. My arms are kind of short. So if I put a regular bottle in there with a bottle cage, when I pull it out, I run the risk of hitting the either my, my front derailleur or my rear derailleur, <laughs> I pull the bottle out. Yeah. So, that's not good. You know, you're cr- cruising at race pace watts, and then all of a sudden you accidentally shift to your small chain ring, and then you end up in a ditch. So, yeah, yeah. I just use straw. It's actually I prefer that. I, I switched too. to it. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this is so much better. Why didn't I do this like years ago? So, it's just more convenient for me. Um, got a straw you know, right in your face. It's like, Oh, maybe I should drink something. So it's just yeah. easier.
0: Especially living where you live. Right. Cause that's, <laughs> it's like here too, in Texas, it's so hot that yeah. having a reminder, I put my straws with a magnet, but so it's end up, ends up between my hands and like, I'm constantly accidentally hitting it with my hands and I'm like, Oh, I should drink some water. I should. And when yeah. I started doing that, um, I started having much better rides because uh, I was getting hydrated because I'd forget, you know, Cause it is easy to forget. How to side, out of mind. Like,
2: yeah, until you get that cotton mouth and then you're like, "Oh, well now yeah. it's too late." Yeah, it's you too know? late.
1: <laughs>
2: the the yeah, um
0: on, on your when you start off the run off the bike, a lot of people uh do different ways to make sure that they run fast enough or don't run too fast or whatever. And I've heard different pros say they do different things. Like um Jordan Rapp was saying, "I think he looks at pace." To make sure he's running the speed that he thinks he should, regardless of what his heart rate's doing, or or uh, yeah, uh, and that's just one way to do it. Like, do, what do you do coming off the bike to make sure that you're kind of on track and where you want to go, or you know, it's like speed wise, or or do you go by heart rate coming off the bike? Make I, sure you don't. Boil. I look,
2: I look at speed mostly, uh-huh. um, and but in probably most sense, I'm just running by feel. I mean, I, you run enough. That you pretty much can guess. I can guess my pace and be within a few seconds of it just by, yeah. just by feel. So, um, I have my, wa- my watch lap every mile. Uh-huh. And then when I hear it go off or feel the vibration or whatever, I'll look at it. And like if it's way too fast, then yeah, I'll back it down a little bit. I know I can't sustain it, but if yeah. it's about where it should be, it's like, all right, I'm just going to hold this, this effort. And, um, in a half, you pretty much just, Go. Get what you got left, but yeah. in a full, obviously there's a little more pacing, and, and you don't want to go out at like a six-minute mile and then end up finishing <laughs> an eight or nine-minute mile. Yeah. So, <laughs> I can only imagine. The, <laughs> keeping a track on your on your pace in that full is much more, uh, I guess, much more important than yeah. a than a half.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what what device are you using for, uh, like a Garmin or Polar or or what? Yeah, I've got
2: a very old Garmin three hundred and ten uh-huh. XT. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, until it breaks, I have no reason to replace it. Yeah, it's those work of, really well. Yeah, they do work well. I just It's a little bulky, but, I mean, like I said, I'm not just going to go out and drop, what, it's like $600, something like that, $500 for the new 920, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But it's like, eh, I don't really need to spend that money. So, yeah. until it breaks, I'll just be happy with it. And it tells me everything that I need to know, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you go from the 910 to the 920, you got a different set of problems. Because the 920 software, like I've had problems with it off and on, with it not working correctly. and Really? Yeah, I think it's just because it's kind of a newer piece of hardware, software. That, like, stuff's not ironed
2: out. Totally. Yeah, it could be. I have, I've kind of messed with one before. And previously, like, pretty much all the Garmin's, all the buttons are the same. All the buttons mm-hmm. are in the same location, and they do the same thing. And I was trying to help somebody, like, set up their screen so they can see whatever metrics they wanted to see. Yeah. And I was trying to get to it, and I was like, I don't know, I get, you, I just gave it to him. I was like, you get me to the screen. Like, it was so <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. sound like an old, like, 60-year-old man yeah. that doesn't know how to tech, technology, but he was so used to Because I had, like, I had a an Edge 500, and I didn't put it on my bike. I guess I didn't click it in all the way, and I hit a bump, and it. Flew off. fell off and yeah. It, yeah and the suv hit it and i was like well i guess i'll just use the one the one that i have yeah <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> i've had that happen in, in a race or uh i had a power power tap head unit you know the yellow mm-hmm. one yeah and it, it flew off my bike when i hit a bump and i looked behind me it's a race you can't stop and go back and get i mean you could Good. i guess it depends on you know how how well you want to do in the race it was and i was just like man well i kind of in my mind kind of made a like picked out some landmarks and I was like okay I'll come back after the race and look for it and I spent like no I spent like an hour walking after doing a half Ironman right how tired are you you know and I spent an hour out there in the sun walking up and down the street looking for this (laughs) yellow head unit but then somebody um sold me one they online you know for for like almost nothing you know because yeah, you could probably get a 920, um, pretty cheap now. They've been around the block a little bit. You probably get a used one. Yeah, they've been
2: out for maybe a year. Yeah, not quite a year. I think right before Christmas is when they came out. Come kind of like uh, that's in November. True. Yeah. So.
0: So, uh, our time's almost up. So, how do you, uh, how do people get in touch with you, and what races do you have coming up?
2: Um, I'm doing Challenge Williamsburg, okay. a week from tomorrow, Sweet. uh, June 14th, and then. Let's see what's after that I'm taking a basically the month of July off kind of doing a big build uh-huh. uh and then I'm doing a couple races up in Michigan there's a full up there that's a non-branded uh not like not a branded Ironman it's uh-huh. got some money at it and then Olympic distance that's got some money at it up in Michigan and I'm doing Pigman in Iowa of uh-huh. all places I never uh-huh. thought I'd never thought I would go to Iowa for anything and yeah. go there yeah. uh and then I recently qualified for the Tough Man Championship. They're kind of a new-ish company. I don't know if you've heard of them before. but I've heard of it. They've I have got like heard anything about it. Yeah, they got like nine nine or so races, I think, around the U.S. And then they have a national championship you can qualify for. And I just did one in Indiana. So um, these
0: are triathlons? Uh, a Tough Man? Yeah. Okay.
2: Tough Man. Um, I just did a half-iron distance race up there and uh, qualified to go to their championship and there's um, some money at that race. And then I'm doing a race called savage man. I think it's like the week after actually. And those two races are probably going to be the hardest races I've ever done before. Cause there's like just under 3,500 feet of climbing at the tough man championship in New York on the bike. And then the run, like you're running next to a river and you have to go up and over the dam. And it, it, it's like, it's going to be insane. Uh, and then Savage Man, apparently, they have the steepest, the steepest climb, uh-huh. or grade, I guess. It's like a thirty-something percent grade. And if you can make it up this little portion of the hill, uh-huh. at the very, it's like a section of the hill at the top of the hill. If you can make it up at thirty percent grade, they engrave your name in a brick and put it in the road. Oh uh, wow! And then you, so they have like a ton of premiums there, where you have like, you're the fastest ascent for the day, you get. X amount of dollars if you have the fastest oh, bike that's swim. cool yeah that
0: makes the race really interesting and yeah, a lot more people watching because they're um, excited about those little
2: yeah, yeah those little parts I had planned to do like basically all challenge races after my race in New Orleans this mm-hmm. year and then I, obviously they made a huge change with their prize purse and I was just like well I didn't really want to spend another four or five hundred dollars whatever it was race with Ironman for the rest of the year plus there would be a lot more traveling expenses because you just can't there's just less races with money at them now, so you I pretty know. much have to fly to almost like whatever. So I just found like some nationally recognized as opposed to like internationally recognized races uh, where there'll still be like some pros at, but where I feel like I could actually get some money instead of placing like at eighth or ninth or whatever, right outside the money and walk home with nothing. Yeah. Um, it's so.
0: interesting how that works, and you know, like um, the psychology of athletes, because you want to you want to be in a a big race, an iron, you know, like Ironman brand or something like that for the glory of yeah. it, because that's great. But then there's other races that you got a much better chance to pay more to get more prize money. But then they're yeah. just not as recognizable, so people end up doing the one, but they're not gonna. It's kind of like an abusive relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah,
2: I actually yeah. like. I talked with the the CEO of tough man and they've actually got some pretty cool things they're going to try and do in the future. They're supposed to, he told me they're going to be adding some races. I think he said like eight or nine more races next year and someone will be international and they're still going to keep. And so they can still like qualify for their national championship. So I think, I think they're smart in having something bigger that you can qualify for where challenge it's like you do their race and that's it. Yeah. Like there's nothing there afterwards. Like,
0: I agree. I think that's their biggest mistake is that there's not a, a championship. Yeah. That if I was, if I was to set up a whole race series like, like these guys, I would definitely make a championship. I would do regionals, you know, and work your way up. Cause that's exciting.
2: Yeah. yeah. People will come out. I mean, obviously not everyone for Ironman is trying to qualify for wherever 70.3 worlds is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, in the, whatever year it is. And then, Kona, like, not everyone's going to try and go there, but like, let's say you're trying to qualify, but then mm-hmm. you're like, hey, five of my friends come with me. Well, all of a sudden, because you're trying to qualify and make it to Worlds, you've marketed for Iron Man to bring five other people with you. But it's, so it's the challenge of the same thing or whatever. Then I feel like people like you or I would be like, hey, like, I'm going, I'm trying to qualify, but Maybe some of my friends should come with too. And if you multiply that without all the age groupers, yeah, you know everyone's got a sphere of influence, and they can draw some of their friends to these races. Uh, so I really think that's what Challenge needs to do. Um, instead of just making it like,
0: like like Roth uh, is like the de facto championship, but yeah. it isn't. If you win Roth, you aren't the cha- you aren't the Challenge World Champion, right? You're and just the Roth thing. Champion.
2: Yeah, they had this thing where it's like, well, whoever embodies a Challenge Spirit is gonna. Get a free entry, and it's like, well, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> that's so vague. If I'm, gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna sing their praises on Twitter and Facebook, and like, is that what it means? Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, that's really what, and personally, that's what if I was the head of of challenge, that's what I would do. If you want to grow your race and full age groupers and stuff like that, and pros even too, because that's, I mean, that's why they said they cut the prize versus from the pro race. With the Challenge America is because they said there wasn't enough pros committing until last minute to be able to use them for marketing. Well, people would sign up if they knew they had a chance to qualify for a regional championship or a yeah. world championship. So Yeah,
0: it's true. Totally true. Um all right, well I guess I guess we need to wrap it up, man. It's been great yeah.
2: talking to you. Good talking to you too.
0: Yeah. Um how many people are on uh, the multi team?
2: We got six pros and like there's an age group component now. There is an age group. No, there is an age group team now. I'm trying to remember how much there are, how many there are. I think there's, uh, five maybe. Don't quote yeah. me on that, but I about five. Um, so it's good. Like it's, it's cool. I've gotten to meet uh, a guy named Andrew who lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. Saw him at New Orleans. Uh, and then there's a handful of them that live like on the. East Coast, I think most of them are in but like Virginia. And actually one of the guys, he's in uh Omaha, Nebraska. I'm actually coaching him. Right. Uh so he's so yeah, I think there's like four or five yeah. on the team. So
0: yeah, I saw on your page the uh the I'm gonna say. The, the Mike Hermanson. I was the real Mike Hermanson. The uh <laughs> that'd be funny. The um that uh yeah you do coaching too so yep. uh are you taking new people you, you yeah take i got
2: else? yeah i got room for a few people but it is june so yeah i mean most likely everyone's got the coach for the year but i found um, that not
0: to be true at all like i i coach too and i'll pick up people year round you just you never know what people are signing up for you know they're gonna do a a race in the spring and they want to start now for example mm-hmm. that's yeah. true
2: but yeah, I've had I've kind of changed a little bit of what I've done. Last year I had 15 clients and that was way too many. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, I know that I could do a better job if I scaled back a little bit. So I went down to 10 this year um, and some people decided to just have a short season and have dropped off. Mm-hmm. But um, I've changed a lot of like how I, my coaching style I guess compared to last year is kind of like learning what works good for people. Instead of using heart rate, Pretty much everyone that I have has a power meter, which is helpful. Oh, that's great! Yeah. And instead of using heart rate on the on the run for their zones, I use pace, mm-hmm. and I've gotten a ton better results with that than using heart rate. Um, mm-hmm. So, I had, I think I've had six athletes do eight different races so far this year. Yeah. And every single one of them has been a PR, and some All right. of them. Some of them have been in the sport for a while. Some of them I had last year. Um, So, yeah, I I feel like, not that I'm like the best coach out there, because I would never say that, but (laughs) I feel like I made a lot of improvements from last year to this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like learning what works for people and trying to um, interpret, because not everyone's the same. you got to figure out your athlete. Yeah, how much stress, how much training stress they can take, and stuff like that. So,
0: so what about the pace? If you're if you're coaching by pace on the run, how do you work with the uh, like terrain? If they live somewhere that's hilly.
2: Yeah, so obviously that plays a role. Um, you kind of look at the the normal grade, normalized gradient pace. If uh-huh. they're going over like the hilly section, <clears throat> you can select it um, on Training Peaks, and it will basically tell you if it was flat, mm-hmm. what they'd be running. So then I think that's sort of like if they're running uphill doing a seven minute mile, maybe it would tell me, well, this is really like running a, a six minute mile on flat. So yeah, definitely you, you can kind of see that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's, I found it a lot, a lot more effective than cool than doing heart rate.
0: All right, man. And you have, uh, you have any other links? Uh, Mike Hermanson on uh, Twitter. If people want to uh, Mike,
2: Mike S Hermanson, Mike S Hermanson. S, yeah. S is for Scott. It's my middle name. Oh. Well, I tweeted
0: uh, at you earlier. No wonder you didn't see it. Oh, <laughs> well,
2: I've been really busy today. I haven't really been on social media at all. I had oh, I swam with a, a local club that some with them, the Lakeside Seahawks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then I did a transition clinic for like an hour and a half or two. I came oh, home God. and did a brick race sim for Challenge Williamsburg, and then literally. Pounded a recovery drink and got on my computer, and here we are. But so. you're a pro, like you're
0: <laughs> you're. Uh, the problem with you guys is you don't interact with the with the uh, age groupers enough. That's what I hear from uh, you know Iron Man and and such. You know you don't bring enough no, value
2: think, to the industry. I think, I think, <laughs> you're, I, there's partial truth to that though. I really think so yeah. because like some pros are like they just think they should be given everything because they're a pro, but really like you need to get involved in your local triathlon community. Yeah. And I wouldn't say like I'm doing it as good as I could. Obviously I could do, I could probably do better a lot of different things, but you're only yeah. limited on so much time that you have. Yeah. Um, that so so much I have an in with the triathlon club because my coaching, uh, progressive endurance is a sponsor. Uh-huh. So I don't want to use the word obligated, but I'm supposed to do so many things with them a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it I forget sometimes like, that I was once a beginner too, yeah. and I have all the same questions that everybody else has when they come in. And it's like these people like really appreciate it. You know, they oh, totally. they trust they trust someone who's been in the sport, racing yeah. at a high level. Well, I mean, you could tell them that drinking eggs, liquid egg in their water bottle during a race would be the best thing for them, and they'd believe you <laughs> because like they would. But so yeah. there's obviously a huge influence
0: they'd they at least try it. it yeah. Was,
1: yeah. Like,
2: yeah. They would at least try it. And then after they threw up like five times, they would <laughs> be like, this guy lied to me. Sure. <laughs> You're like, i uh, was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah. people, people trust you. So yeah. I think if you can just get out there and if it's something simple, just like what I did, like a transition clinic with maybe I had a dozen, 15 people there or so, uh-huh. like, and then I hung out with them afterwards and helped out some other questions at the bike shop that was hosting it. And, I mean i didn't have to do it but i enjoyed it and got to help some people answer their questions before they did their first sprint try this next weekend so yeah 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 I, I
0: could if i was in that position yeah i would it's kind of like have. it's kind of it's kind of like you have to go do it but once you're doing it you're like i could talk triathlon all day long you know so it's not yeah. that it's not that bad you know yeah yeah well cool man thanks for being on the show and uh, yeah, thanks we'll for s- having me. We'll send some people your way to support you at your races. And anybody out there have questions for you? They know how to get in touch.
2: Yep. So you cool. can uh, get on my website and my email's on there or you and then there's also links to Twitter and Facebook.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Well, nice big buttons. So. It's really cool. All right,
2: yep. man. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Brett. All right. Nice bye. Talk to you. bye.
0: All right. Boom. That interview was brought to you by hornet juice if you like zen and triathlon, then you would love hermit <laughs> hermit juice oh no that's that's the wrong product hornet juice <laughs> anyway uh, i've been doing tons of work on getting more fat efficient and cutting out the crap in my um in my training, the, the sugary stuff in my fuel, and I'm seeing huge benefits. I just had a blood test done, and we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but I was borderline, um, I don't know if you call it pre-diabetic or something like that. It's a, it's a phase uh, where you're starting to get metab- uh, metabolic syndrome, which can eventually lead into uh, diabetes on down the road, and um, you get this from just too many simple sugars in your diet. And the crazy thing is, is I don't put any simple sugars in my diet whatsoever. If I, I do, you know, a moderate amount of bread, but it's always like Ezekiel, Genesis bread, stuff where the ingredients are out of the Bible and simple sugars are just not, they don't even exist. Like, uh, I drink black coffee, unsweet tea, you know, I'm like a freaking monk. (laughs) And it's not that fun. (laughs) No sugar in my yogurt. You know, I read all the ingredients. I buy peanut butter. I make sure there's no sugar in it. So how did I get like this? And that is probably, most likely, from just crap sugar in my training fuel over, what, like 12, 15 years of, uh, well, let's say 13 years of doing triathlon and then slowly adding more and more sugary crap in there. And I'm pulling it out of my workouts and I'm doing two hours plus two hours and 15 minutes with hardly anything on my runs don't need it and uh much much fewer calories on my um on my bike rides and runs and nothing on my swims and it's uh powered a lot by hornet juice hornet juice is an amino acid powder not sugar it's amino acid power that turns on your body's fat burning and this stuff is like diesel Fuel, it's absolutely amazing how it gives you way more energy because it turns on your body's fat burning instead of needing a whole bunch of sugar stuff. And I am super grateful to have already been in touch with them and working with them and connected with them for years. So with the relationship already there, I can continue to use more Hornet juice and less sugary junk. And you can get Hornet Juice from the left side of the Zentraflon.com webpage, zentraathlon.com. Scroll down on the left-hand side, and you can order Hornet Juice. You get a uh, 10-pack, 20-pack, 30-pack, all you want. Ship all over the world. And if you order, you get an email from me personally saying thank you. And now you have my email address, and you can email me back and get your email on the show. Um, The package itself comes from New Zealand, so you get some cool postage from far away New Zealand, land of Lord of the Rings. It's really, really neat. I love getting stuff from there. And it's actually just all around a really great way for you to get something for you and also to help the show that you love to listen to. And so all around, it's great. I feel very honestly and truthfully that this is great stuff that can help you out all the emails I get back are just people blown away by how well it works and how happy they are so give it a try again Hornet Juice on the left hand side of zentrathon.com. I'd be honored to send you some just make an order and let's go to town with it okay let's uh, do a quick review of some equipment Uh, let's see do we want to do shoes or bento box first let's do shoes that's the more expensive Uh, pricey thing that you'd want to review on okay so specialized makes um, all kinds of stuff and one of the things they make is cycling shoes and um, I have had a pair of nylon bottom uh, cycling shoes you know the part that makes the shoe stiff and those are fine those are fine carbon is a little bit lighter but they both work um, just one works just as well as the other carbon might be the tiniest bit stiffer uh, people that say that carbon can't flex uh, are wrong. You can flex carbon all day long. It just won't crack. And you can build how much flex you want into it. And uh, if you do hot races, then you're starting to want to get into more ventilation. And then all these pros that do Kona, for example, um, these races are so hot. So like Ironman Texas, Kona, uh, stuff in Vegas, um, really hot pavement, the uh, underside of the cycling shoes are white carbon, and it is really cool looking. And um, they have just two straps, which makes them easy to get on and off for racing. And I'm trying to think what else. Uh, They use uh, specialized body geometry kind of styling, which I found were the only cycling shoes after like three different brands. Uh, that I found actually worked for me and fit my funky feet, and I wear a size like 48 or 47, I think 48 European, which is like a size 13, 14 shoe, <laughs> and, uh, and they work, and um, I, they work so well that I wore them like twice for just two short trainer rides, and, did, and then did Ironman Texas with them on, which is a real risk um but they worked fine and even though they're white uh on top and white on the other side with a little bit of red trim uh nobody makes fun of me on the rides even though they look uh, uh they, I I think they look a little the tiniest bit goofy because they stand out so much but my son thinks that they're really cool and I'm 41 and he's 10 so uh if uh If there's anything with age has to do with it, then uh, what I think is cool is on the way out and what he thinks is cool is on the way in. So I would go with Kai's opinion on what looks cool and what doesn't. And yeah, um, I have to give them a major thumbs up. Uh, They also have a vent on the underside. These are triathlon specific cycling shoes that when you pour water all over yourself on the bike, water will drain out. The bottom, and I remember having a pair of cycling shoes where I drilled holes in the bottom so that water would run out, Um, especially if you pee on the bike. You know, it's kind of a problem. So now your pee has a place to go, (laughs) and that's really what the vent's for, in my opinion. Um, Also, I now have a new riding buddy that we do long rides together. I'm super excited about that, and he... um, I remember looking back and what in the world is he doing? He was pouring water on his feet and he's got this quirk and he's an older, he's a little bit older than me, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. And he's easily as fast as me or not faster. So he can totally do what the hell he wants uh, without me judging. And uh, he's pouring water on his uh, feet and he's wearing just regular cycling shoes. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, my, my feet get hot. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my feet aren't hot at all. That's really weird. And it's the shoes, man. The shoes are so well ventilated. They keep your feet cool, especially on these long, long rides in the heat coming up in the summer. So I definitely recommend them. Again, uh, the Specialized Trivent Expert are the ones that I've got. And also, this just happens to be another Specialized product, the Specialized Remora Bento Box. So this is a silicone bento box with a slit in the top of it. So you don't need a zipper and or Velcro uh, to close it, uh, open or close it. It's a majorly arrow, but not entirely crazy arrow. I say it's pretty good. And I got it um, thinking that would be the answer to all my problems. And it turns out it's not. It's not really the way it fastens to your bike kind of has a um, it kind of has the a little bit of a bracket inside the bento box that's hard plastic that has nubs for the straps to attach to once you thread them back into the bento box and um, that actually takes up space right in the middle of the bento box and points up and I guess if you were just cramming gels in your bento box, um, it would not be any kind of an issue. But in my case, I like putting my cell phone in there, and uh, I just have an iPhone 5S, and it's, it's not like a huge cell phone or anything like that. And um, the space, if you're putting thing, if you're putting, st- basically what I'm saying is if you put anything in there that's not squishy and malleable and uh, shape-shifting, then it tends to bump into that um, raised area in the middle of the bento box and um, make very inefficient use of the space. But on the other hand, if you wanted to just cram that thing full of gels, uh, you totally could, and it would work uh, better than better than fine. It actually worked uh, really, really well. So uh, I I'm glad I got it because I have a cool looking bento box that. I've been riding with for quite a while now, and um, it's interesting, it's different, and it's worth experimenting with, and it wasn't hugely expensive or anything like that. Um, But uh, I kind of miss my old bento box, but I do not miss my old bento box having to try to unzip the zipper in the thing, which was uh, driving me crazy, Um, and then trying to zip it back up without everything falling out. So I don't know. It's kind of an in-between Uh, I can give it uh, neither thumbs up nor thumbs down. just kind of is, and that's okay. Not everything has to be perfect. All right, that is our gear review, and I wanted to mention that that's brought to you by Chris Haig Racing. So Chris Haig is my buddy that uh, has started coaching, and he is one of the best personalities in the sport. He used to race track for University of the South at Sewanee, When I thought I was uh, kicking ass with a 440 at Ironman uh, Galveston uh, half, he was uh, doing like 420. (laughs) I was just like, holy crap. He knows all about nutrition. He's super enthusiastic, super, super smart, and uh, just a brilliant mind in the sport. And I'm honored to actually have him on the show. Even though I'm a coach, uh, we all – Know each other's strengths, and if you want a young guy that is super energetic, that can really take you to the next level, and I mean honestly, you have to find a coach that that is like that strikes you as somebody that you want to, um, you know, motivate you because triathlons are hard, man. You have to have somebody that that uh, energizes you and. If Chris is anything, he's hundred percent energy, and it's actually it's a Braveheart Coaching is the name of his coaching company, and I can enthusiastically give him a major thumbs up. So go check him out, and thank you, Chris, for advertising on Zentry. I really appreciate it, man. It is an honor to have you around. All right, back to other stuff. We have ooh donations and emails and the training log. Okay, before we get into the training log, which again is a lot of swimming. Of course, that's what I always do. uh, Nutrition stuff and um, uh, the kids triathlons with Kai, which I absolutely love. Um, We want to read some donations. And let's see. The... um, At the very end of this training log coming up, I want to mention that I said next episode, I'll talk about how my long run went. I'll just go ahead and tell you now, uh, and this is a big plug for the Hornet juice again. I ran 2 hours and 25 minutes, which was 14.2 miles, so it was like a a 9.5-minute mile pace, um, with not wanting or needing any fuel at all. So we're talking about fat-adapted stuff uh, for... The first hour and a half. And then I started sipping on um, a leftover fuel from a bike workout from the day before. And I ate like maybe 50 calories or something like that over time and didn't even really need it. And it was actually my fastest uh, and easiest and longest run uh, uh, to date as part of my uh, project, you know, of uh, longer weekend runs. And I've been every week I've been adding about two, two and a half minutes to my long run and uh, just watching the progress of it and getting smarter and faster uh, most of the time. It's pretty, pretty neat. So I'll go ahead and say that that happened and I'm excited about that. So let's go ahead and list off donations. If you find information on Zen and Yard Triathlon helpful to you and you want to give back to the show in some small way, Man, we have an easy way to do it. On the left-hand side of ZenTri, you can scroll down, and there is a PayPal donation button. And your donations go straight into a single PayPal account, and stuff in there goes straight to triathlon stuff. Emily is not allowed to touch it. <laughs> it goes to nothing except for race registration, uh, equipment that I review, um, I'm trying to think what else. Membership stuff, uh, bandwidth majorly to bandwidth costs and website costs and equipment uh, costs. Uh, triathlon is one of the uh, most ridiculously expensive sports out there. And like I like to say, uh, Zen and the Art of Triathlon is the podcast where we take the world's most difficult sport, most complicated sport, and try to simplify it and uh, bring it to you in a way that you can actually uh, discover more about yourself and have the best you out there on race day. And uh, your donations really, really matter. You can do a a one-time donation or you can set up a recurring donation, which is about a dollar an episode, which is, man, that's perfect. For like, what, like two hours of entertainment to pay a dollar and learn stuff the entire time uh, while I go out there and kill myself for you guys is... uh, Is a big bang for your buck, right? So here is our list of donations for this show, recurring donations and singles. Uh, Connor Sanders, Brett Hoyer, uh, Brett with the uh, best first name ever, Simon Wright, and John R. Taylor, Grant Boshert, and Jonathan Woodman, and Richard Stewart, and Hun Chu, who I also happen to coach, and I'm very proud of his work. And James Godek, Todd Nelson, and Brian Kemper. Lots of longtime donors in here. Matt Heinz, who I saw at kids at the kids' uh, triathlon, the Aggieland uh, triathlon, which was super cool, man. We talked for about 10 minutes about training for uh, Ultraman and florida and oh man it was really really cool and then uh jason drury all right and also i want to mention that uh, don't forget we're doing self-supported ultraman in october find out more by going to zentriathlon.com and looking at the top of the page you can find a link to the ultra baby is what we're calling it and have i missed any donations nope i think that's it all right This has been good. Good time, everybody. Everybody, let's roll into the training log. This is where I take you with me in the life of a ultra-distance triathlete. Over the years, I've slowly grown into doing Ironmans. And gosh, twice in the past couple of weeks, I've had people ask me how many I've done. And it's 14 Ironmans, multiple, many, many uh, 50-mile ultra uh, ultra marathons, off-road on trails, one 100-mile uh, off-road uh, triathlon, uh, um, triathlon uh, ultra marathon on trails, and uh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, as a 100-miler trail run, and swam across Lake Tahoe, which was 13-something hours at uh, 22 miles at high elevation uh, with Jamie Patrick, and then Uh, I'm trying to think of something else crazy I've done. Uh, Some, you know, the Alcatraz triathlon, which was one of my grand emotional prizes of things that I've ever done, a dream come true, and a whole bunch of other random crazy stuff out there. And you, the listeners, have been with me the whole way. And this, the training log, is bits of audio slices uh, throughout the uh, training. And lots of fun family stuff and running with the dog and uh, tips and tricks kind of here and there. If you listen closely, you might pick up on something that uh, you might want to try yourself. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go.
1: You are entering the Zentrite Training Log Zone. Cunelli. Hi, everybody. My
0: name is
2: Brett. I'm a trash. I'm a I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status.
1: But Joe, we've been friends for years.
2: Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself.
0: All right, homies. Zen Tri Masters. Let's see. We are leaving the pool. Did time trials last night and came to swim this morning. Going to give you some tips on how to handle that kind of stuff the uh, time trials uh, I did really well but I did not improve and actually disproved (laughs) unimproved by like a watt or two over 30 minutes but there's so many variables there it's really hard to tell why Um, I definitely know why I did not improve is because I went and did the blood test and the uh, had to fast for 12 hours and um, also uh, had um, a huge amount of weight loss earlier this week totally due to dehydration you don't lose four pounds for for uh, and hold four pounds down for several days and then gain it back uh, due to diet that's uh, dehydration and it made me feel uh, really really flat and that was from the long bike ride and then the long run over the weekend Uh, So to connect the dots, what that means is um, after longer hot stuff, uh, you need to proactively feed yourself with uh, salt and liquids, salt water. And then um, Kai was back from Colorado, so he went with me to do the time trials, and he did worse as well. But he hasn't ridden a bike for two weeks and also i was trying to pump him up saying hey you know you've been doing altitude training man it's really really cool well (laughs) he was complaining uh before we even started and definitely uh, halfway through about how hot it was so air temperature uh, at the airport you know whatever at the on the weather station was 92 degrees and you add to that the re-radiation of heat from the road and that's um, quite a bit of heat out there um, I did go by the bike shop and picked up a blinky light just for him and it's my first blinky light that's USB uh, rechargeable and I think it's planet bike they make good stuff and I was actually a little disappointed at the reflectivity or the brightness of it during the day I was hoping it would be brighter uh, maybe if we mount it to his bike so it shines back correctly I had it clipped to the back of his neck uh, that's where it actually held as a um, pointing back the best instead of his butt or his jersey pocket, <clears throat> but still um, we had a really good time and rode our bicycles there as warm up. Rode our bicycles home as cool down. It's like four miles and uh, stopped at Waterburger on the way back and got milkshakes and uh, only drank about half of them. <laughs> and then uh, I stopped at a gas station and grabbed got a beer, a pale ale. And put it in my jersey pocket, and then rode home with it. Kai was laughing at me, and then uh, on the way home, there's a steep little hill, and Kai dropped me on the hill. Um, if I really killed myself, then I could have, uh, I could have beaten him. But um, it, I, he surprised me, and it was real, and he was that good, and I was like, whoa! And he is so funny when he, uh, he taunts you, when he uh, outperforms you. And it's it's really impressive. He's got he's he's a little MACA. <laughs> he's, he, he goes he starts accelerating out in front of me up this hill and he goes, Oh, oh, what's happening? I don't know, what's going on? This is so strange and I started playing back with him, I go, Yeah, this is weird, what what's going on? I can't seem to keep up. And then uh And then all of a sudden it got serious. He kept accelerating and kept taunting me and uh, just flat out dropped me after I gave up. I was like, oh my God, my leg started hurting so bad after the TT. Um, This was on the ride home from the TT. Time trial. Um, After uh, the time trials last night, uh, Emily's dad was hanging out at her house. We hung out, stayed up a little bit too late. Got up this morning and... Felt like going swimming. I haven't swam in a few days, so it was a good time to go swim. And did sweet spot intervals and I wanted to talk to y'all about this. This is good stuff. What you do is it's a style of training that um, you, you kind of warm up a little bit and then you accelerate up to above threshold. So it should be uncomfortably fast. And it should be something that wears you out after a few minutes. And as a few minutes, as you get worn out and it starts to burn, um, and you start fading just a little bit, um, and you make it last anywhere from a few minutes to ten minutes, you know, something like that. But anyway, then you uh, stop and rest for a second, like uh, half a minute to a minute, and then start going slowly again. And then start... You repeat the whole process all over again. You start accelerating and, and then go faster and faster and faster. And uh, this does many things that is so good for you. Uh, you see people. When Kai and I were um, riding home from the time trials, there was a guy jogging down the road that was just going super super slow turnover, you know. And then when I go to the pool and swim, there's people that are just slowly turning their arms over, and that's all they do all practice. You know, you got to improve your speed, to improve your normal speed, your cru—what I like to call your cruising speed. Right? Cruising speed is just something that's comfortable. You could go a lot faster, but it's just your comfortable speed for doing something kind of long. Um, to increase your, uh, to improve your cruising speed, um, you have to teach your body to go faster than your cruising speed. Well, because it's, it's difficult. You just do it in doses, and then over time. It, uh, your cruising speed starts to lift um, and but <clears throat> what you do oh it's the higher turnover than what you're used to it's the stronger uh, muscle engagement it's everything It slowly builds strength and uh, and uh, also lifts your lung capacity and tones you up. Uh, so that you can breathe more and ups your VO2 max and gets you, it just stimulates you to be a better, faster person. What you're doing is you're, you're pretending like you're a better athlete <laughs> for doses at a time. And then you back off and then you do it again. And then you back off and you do it again. And um, your rest between uh, can be really, really, really easy. Because it's like over an hour, hour and a half of doing stuff like this, it adds up. So you don't need to go fast uh, while you're doing the recovery uh, in between. It's just the fast, faster than you normally would during the uh, intervals. It's called sweet spot intervals. It's so good, so cool. And um, so I did those this morning, and when I got out of the pool, I felt like my muscles had been um, stimulated quite a bit. I had pushed my lungs to the most that they needed to because my lungs were a little bit uh, cooked from the night before, uh, doing the time trials and, uh, oh, the, um, another reason that the, uh, time trials were, um, I didn't improve was I, I went out too fast. I thought I'd try something and go out just a little bit faster and, um, see how that worked out. And also I felt when I say I felt flat, that was, uh, just kind of like wasn't quite as into it. I was trying to convince myself to be really into it and that has to do with, you know, you know, the not eating for the blood test and there was something else. Um, I can't remember what it was. But, you know, I wanted Kai to have a really good time and he was really wanting to go. So I was kind of artificially pumping myself up, trying to make myself believe I was into it. <laughs> and listening to, um, listening to heavy metal, whatever music you like, it could be techno, something like that, for the for the day before you're uh, leading up to your race is another great way to uh, get you excited and get you motivated it artificially kind of dumps um testosterone adrenaline all kinds of stuff into your system so you're thinking about racing and then um should talk back to the pool thing when i got out of the pool this morning um I felt like I'd gotten a good workout, but I also had lots of rest mixed in, so it wasn't too much. As triath- as triathletes, the amount of stuff that you do, because you're swimming and biking and running, it's not like single sport. So you can't get too crazy with stuff, or else you'll wear yourself out. You kind of hold back just a little bit. And then, um, but back to the time trial, the other thing was is even though I ate two hours before the race and nothing for two hours. The thing that I did eat was a, um, an Amy's TV dinner. And there's a Mexican TV dinner. It has lots of corn and beans and stuff like that in it. And it was, um, it was backing up into my esophagus a little bit. The harder I pushed, I could feel myself burping up lunch from uh, two hours ago. I think that's Shannon, yeah, that's her waving at her, and uh, it's one of Kai's friends on his triathlon team's ride. And it was great, it was good stuff, uh, burping up uh, meals, which just goes to show like what you eat really does affect you. The more fiber and such like that it has in it, the longer it sits in your stomach, and there's slow carb. And then there's Slow Carb. <laughs> I made a blog post about that. I was Slow Carb before Slow Carb had a name. My mom was hitting me over the head with peanut butter jars going, don't eat that, it's got sugar in it, look. And you look, I was, and I was doing that to somebody at work just a couple of days ago. She was like, I love peanut butter. I go, that's not peanut butter. And she said, it is too? I go, show me the ingredients. And it says peanuts, and then the second ingredient is like sugar, and then hydrogenated, fully hydrogenated uh, whatever. And I reached in my little fridge at work and I go, it's, I've got Laura Scudders. And I go, what does this say? And she says, I can't find it. I go, yeah, because it's so short. Keep looking. And then it says ingredients, peanuts, salt. I go, that's it. That's all you need for peanut butter. And we opened it up and she's like, oh, why is it so oily and greasy? And I go, that's peanut oil. That's the real stuff. The reason yours isn't is because it's hydrogenated because they're trying to get you to eat it like you're a little baby. They're treating you like you're a child and putting sugar in it and whatever. This is, uh, no one needs to convince you to eat peanut butter. It's already good. You don't need uh, sugar and stuff like that to make it better. Um, just get, and she said, well, this is probably twice as much. And I go, it might be like 30 cents more. But then uh, I'm saving 30 cents by not having the uh, heart surgery. So uh, how about that? Anyway, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK and looking forward to Kai's triathlon race this weekend. All right, here we go. Hello. All right, we are here at the kids' triathlon in Austin, Texas, the Moxie 2015. They're warming up in the big grass lawn. We're at a beautiful country club overlooking a uh, just a beautiful little kind of like a little canyon. And uh, it's been pouring rain off and on for the past, oh, since around midnight maybe. And we're putting on the race. They're putting on the race in spite of it all. And uh, it's really cool watching all the, the kids. Now they're doing jumping jacks.
1: And... Umbrella, pay Sorry.
0: I think... Uh, Kai is swimming uh, his age group. The uh, He's... A USAT age 11, and the 11- to 12-year-olds are doing, they're called seniors (laughs) for the kids, and uh, they're doing um, 200-yard swim, I think a 6-mile bike. I don't think it's that long. I think it's a 5-mile bike, and then uh, about a 2-mile run. And there's lots of loops and stuff to get confused on, so there's lots of parents involved. I came over here to record this because they were kids were cheering and chanting. Maybe we'll get a little bit of that here in a minute. And, uh, everything's been uh, nice and low-key.
1: Um,
0: they pushed back the race twice, an hour each time. So now we're two hours behind. And I think a lot of kids have left.
1: Um, there's still a ton here. But... Um,
0: so which brings the numbers down a Everybody little bit. And Kai's part of a big triathlon team that we came all the way from College Station two hours to come do this a.m. race. At a and a, race. a uh, little productivity tip here.
1: Um, a at
0: Under the, the team lawn. tent for two hours, there's parents sitting there miserable while the, uh, not too miserable, but while the kids are, um, here we go. All right, because uh, uh, there's nothing to do while it keeps getting pushed back, and uh, you can fix this by getting a data package on your phone, and then with your laptop having a um, tethering to your to your phone, and then getting work done in the meantime. And I was uh, doing coaching and. Um, updating the blog and getting the podcast out uh, in the car uh, staying out of the rain while all that was going on so I use the uh, iPhone and, and MacBook air to get all that done the MacBook air has just an awesome battery life so it's really good for productivity while out in the um, out in the field I use it all the time to get stuff done when um, other people a lot of other people wish are wishing they could and that's the solution that's how you do it so you still gotta find a nice balance I'm being too much into it but it's nice so what do you think Bay? oh she's yawning get some oxygen to your brain Bay. there you go what do you think of this race
2: <laughs> ready for the rain to stop All the days for you're train. looking
0: away from the mic when you I said
2: knock. I'm ready for the rain to stop
0: yeah that's it that's it yeah how do you uh, think Kai's going to do
1: I hope Kai doesn't wreck like you did on your bike.
0: <laughs> like me and everybody. That's
1: still not healed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it itches, and Christine Lynch says that's good. Okay. It's just a huge
1: bulge underneath it that's not normal. Huge bulge? Yeah. That's a problem? Yeah, it is a problem. <laughs> it's not normal.
0: <laughs> um, anyway. Okay, then. So.
1: <laughs>
0: we're, uh... Kai's starting about half an hour or less. Yeah. Oh, fifteen 15 minutes. But other kids got to go first, right? He's one of the later kids. And then we're timing the... Um, we've been asked to time his laps and loops. Let's get away from people yelling. And uh, that, the coach wants to see if the kids fade and what they need to train on, right? So with the swimming, I'm going to try to... I'm going to video Kai's swim... And that way I'm getting video, and I can go back and count the time on the laps as well and give those back to the coach.
1: Oh, here, now they're doing their warm-up over here.
0: Oh, our triathlon team's high-kicking. They look like little Nazis or something. Look at them. And uh, they're... Uh... <laughs> Get your kid on a kid's triathlon team if you can. It is outrageously funny. What?
1: Your, your child is dancing.
0: Oh, Kai's dancing. He's showing his true colors.
1: We, we said they should he, change it to a swim I think dance Cindy run. Color's
0: true color Cindy uh, Lopper's true colors plays in his mind 24/7. And the uh, um, and then on the bike it's a uh, five loops for his age group. So timing each loop, will tell us if he stays consistent or That's if he fades. On. these
1: kids look like they're having fun kind of Yeah, now on they're on the doing on the, the No, on the curb. On uh, the
0: curb. Oh yeah. <laughs> Our kids are doing the uh, stork the crane from from Karate Kid. All of them. How many others? Like 12? Like 17 of them. 17?
1: Yeah, I counted them all. Now
0: they're high-stepping in unison across the field. It's got to be intimidating to the other teams.
1: Uh, some kid walked by and oh my God, that's the biggest team I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, then on the run, you can't, we can't really time that. So, But uh, we got here the day before and did lots of um, pre-course riding and walking and... Mm-hmm everything and then we went to a park and uh, had, had catered subway sandwiches and I loaded mine up with veggies cucumbers and bell pepper and olives and um, I also have a, a container of uh, powdered um, health food from livingfuels.com and uh, Look at that. I've been adding Look at that to a water bottle every once in a while for nutrition <laughs>
1: He's so handsome.
0: (laughs) In spite of it all.
1: They're all soaking wet already.
0: All right, so I'm going to get off the mic, and uh, maybe soon we'll have either something more interesting or a race update or a race review. See how it went. Hope it's been raining, so it's wet. So um, I hope that uh, there's not too many wrecks. I pointed out to Kai the white paint for like stop signs and stuff is where you wreck. So watch out for that. Cult of
1: personality. Uh
0: It's in living color. Yeah. No, Living Color. In Living Color is a TV show. Yes.
1: That's
0: not what your country can do for you. The only fear we our, have our coach is fear the itself.
1: the one with uh, the broken arm.
0: The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah. Our coach looks hardcore with an arm sling on. Yeah.
1: All
0: right, that's it. Be back in a bit. Out. Bing.
1: Cult of Hello? All
0: right. I'm running with Kona at night down this country road. It's Wednesday night. And you can hear all the tree frogs. I hope you can hear them. I got my phone in a Ziploc. And uh, the cicadas. Here comes a car. A car every few minutes. I love running down this road. Oh, I got a (coughs) cough. I don't need the brights. It's okay. I hate it when cars turn on their brights, wait, I hear a tree frog, there was bullfrogs earlier and uh, I'm running, I'm wearing an amphipod running belt and uh, you can clip 10 ounce or 10 and a half ounce bottles of water or whatever you want to it and it's really nice. And I run with two of them when I go out for an hour run in the heat. And I put uh, you know, a dinner table spoon, which is not that big, it's pretty small, of honey in each one. So I'd say about 100 calories maybe of uh, fuel and some sea salt. And that's what I'm running with. Kona's with me. I should have hosed them down with the garden hose. So he was cool to start. Let's see if he'll pant for us. And this is the sounds of trap on training in the countryside. It's getting dark. It's nine o'clock at night. I see some kind of star. I had broccoli with my dinner, so now I got gas, which is fun. Here comes another car. And. I think we'll get started again. I just wanted to pause because of the tree frogs and how nice it sounds. And I got an email from a listener saying, hey, love the show. Cadillac SUV. Love the show. But last episode where you just wrote off your training log, that was cool. But go back to training, to recording on the move. It's neat. And uh, so tonight is a um, no heart rate monitor run. I'm running uh, my heart rate monitor battery went out. So I'm training without it for a while. And I'm learning better how to go by uh, effort and breathing. And I have a tendency to... um, let's, uh, Let's run while I talk. I have a tendency to... Uh, when I get going I get to the correct pace and Then when I start going a little bit too fast and I start fading You know just a tiniest bit after a while There's the Garmin kicking back on from the autopause. Um No, let the water on nasty gutter water ditch water And if I start Feeling a little bit weak because I'm going too fast. My inclination is to go <laughs> to try even harder. I'm just now realizing that I'm doing that a lot. I've probably been doing it my whole life, and that's that leads to blowups, right? So, an example would be let's say on the bike. I'm trying the bike at what feels like a fast pace or a nice pace. And I start struggling, you know? Breathing hard, whatever. But you can sense that you're slowing down. And it's, well, let's speed back. Let's apply more effort to get back up to speed, right? Because that was the right speed. Well, the opposite of that and the smart thing is that was not the right speed. You were going too fast. And you need an ego check. And you're not that good. And I've been doing that lately and backing off. And now it's like I'm dancing around the edge of just right and too fast and pulling back letting myself go and have fun and being able to understand and feel oh, that's a little bit too fast pull back and then while pulling back feels too easy for a moment after a little bit, you're like, man, I'm glad I pulled back (laughs) because now I'm feeling just right again nice and then the other main event of today is Kai spent the day over at a friend's house when I picked him up first the coolest thing was their garage looks like mine where it's full of bikes and instead of surfboards they have wakeboards because they have a wakeboard boat a wake boat I had to explain to Emily what that is. The hull of the boat you has tanks in it where you can add more water to make it sit heavier in the water and make even a bigger wake, which makes it fun.
1: Uh-uh. no,
0: to jump the waves on your wakeboard. That's the difference between a wake boat and a regular ski boat. And. So we were talking in their garage with the mom and the dad. And I was like, I love y'all's garage. (laughs) I love finding other people that are so into doing outdoor stuff. It's very cool. And then when Kai got in the car with me (sighs) to uh, drive away, it was Daddy. Kai's 10. Daddy, have you heard of a video game Called Grand Theft Auto <laughs> and I was like uh, yeah the very adult I was thinking to myself the very adult game where um, you murder people rob banks all for points or money and hijack cars and beat up prostitutes <laughs> but I was like acted kind of dumb I'm like yeah I played it for like forever today. Michael, like, well, did you go outside? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay. But he's getting to that age where he's going to start running into bad stuff. And you just have to give guidance. So we had a little talk. And I said, I don't... <coughs> that game, you need to remember what happens in video games if you do it enough in games you're going to think it's okay to do it in real life you need to remember there's a difference and that game's kind of fun because you get to pretend to be a jerk you need to take a right gotta wait for these cars to
2: go by here, let's go.
0: Got Conan on the big retractable leaf, and he's absolutely in love with that game. <laughs> and I understand why; it's pretty fun. So he said they were playing it with the sound turned off because there's curse words. <laughs> that's how innocent he still is. It's pretty all right I'm gonna go back to my run thanks for joining me with the tree frogs see if I can figure out how to turn this thing off like too much noise all right here we are driving to work from a different pool I'm listening to the uh, Real Starkey podcast TRS radio interview with Joel Joel Filio and um, if you want, you can go back in the Zentri records, probably early last year, middle last year, and listen to my interview with Joel Filio, which was really cool, talking about nutrition and training and all kinds of good stuff and learning how to say his last name. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, the beginning of that episode of uh, on TRS Radio, man, uh, Starkey tears into... Uh, slow twitch Dan Enfield it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> I'm like dude <laughs> where do you get the balls to talk like that it's pretty pretty crazy but anyway that's uh that's his show what he does I'm not I don't uh, I'm not saying what he's doing is right or wrong or anything like that it's just different than uh, what I do and there's a place for everybody so um on uh Zentri uh for whatever reason I tend to be more um, uh compassionate and under. I don't have this uh, drive to uh, prove people wrong or anything like that. And like I said, uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not saying anything wrong with uh, what he's doing. I, I'm more commenting on how uncomfortable it makes me feel. <laughs> like, oh crap! <laughs> Is he really gonna say that? <laughs> it's exactly like Howard Stern. It's you keep listening to. To hear what he's gonna say next, I just can't believe it. Anyway, uh, and uh, I, I enjoy being friends with uh, with the, with uh, Ben Hobbs. It's pretty fun. It's pretty crazy. Anyway, the um, the next thing is oh, I got time trials tonight that I'm gonna to try to make depending on the weather. We've had this tropical storm Bill, which people have posted pictures on the internet of like a puddle of water and saying "Survive Bill." Remember hashtag. <laughs> So it's, uh, it's, it's raining quite a bit, but it's not that big of a deal. And uh, I think when it came ashore, it had 60-mile-per-hour winds. I bought an Xterra stand-up board for almost half off, 40-something percent off, off of a Slow Twitch, of all places, at a discount code. I sat and waited and waited. I thought I was going to have to wait for uh, months and shoot myself in the head in agony. But in a few days, I saw an ad pop up, 45 uh, percent off. And that's 45% off of like $1,200. So it ends up being $650. And then plus uh, 28 bucks for shipping. And this is for the 12 and a half footer. That's really made for lakes, flat water, and cruising. I've got surfboards, so I don't need uh, surfboard, surfboard. And then uh, the shorter one. And it's faster and performs better on smoother water. So uh, I'm really excited because I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to um, do the whole family thing where I paddle and take Kai out and he swims some and then uh, he swims open water while I paddle next to him and then we can trade places and do that and Emily and, and uh, we have a lake you know, where we can do that kind of stuff. It'd be kind of fun. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, this works out. Emily's going to be pissed that I bought this thing. <laughs> But I'm, I'm buying it for everybody and so that we can do something besides triathlon. And uh, I really want to go explore shorelines on a paddleboard because I've done it before. And uh, it's really cool. And a paddleboard, inflatable paddleboard, um, this thing's supposed to be awesome. And uh, then because it's inflatable, you don't have to strap something stupid to the top of your car and hope it doesn't blow off. And it takes uh, four minutes or less to inflate. Uh, when you get there and I can tell you it would take about four minutes to strap a twelve and a half foot uh, paddleboard to the top of your car and it's actually lighter than a regular paddleboard it's like 25 pounds instead of 40 or something so uh, it's all good man pretty excited Ooh, there's a popo up ahead and <clears throat> behave yourself and uh, oh with time trials I'm gonna I'm gonna I think man I say this I don't know if I'm really gonna do it I might try something different and I don't know how well it's going to work out because it is rolling terrain. There's some slight hills. Um, uh, but if my current power average, let's say, is 300. Uh, it's right around 300. And I want to go up to 310. Um, well, let's say normalized power. Last one was 309 or 308. And I want to go up to uh, 310, uh, 315. I'm thinking about... Instead of exploding off the front line, (laughs) Uh, which is something you do in time trials, you know, to get up to speed. It makes you faster, have a faster result. I'm wondering about um, watching once my power average hits after like just the first initial start, once it hits uh, the target that I want at the end of 30 minutes, um, just holding it there and not going over what happens in races is you go over first and then you fade over the rest of the race and i'm thinking instead of just getting it up to uh my target number 310 and then just trying to hold it there instead for the entire ride and instead of uh yeah like going really hard and then trying to hold on and fading and watching the number fall over the entire uh race ride technically it's not a race. And uh, I don't know if Kai is going to go with me tonight. And um, uh, the weightlifting is uh, doing a really nice job. So I got a gym membership with a place that's really close to my uh, office. So at lunch, I go and lift weights on occasion to break up the day, several times a week maybe. And I don't lift much, just lift a little bit. And it really does break up the day nice and to up my vitamin D for my blood test results, going outside walking more and then uh, several times a day doesn't take much. And what was the other thing? Oh, I um, rediscovered the squat rack. I'm one of these guys that um, I'm both very efficient. I love being efficient. Sorry, I don't know how efficient I actually am. I like being efficient. And not wasting time and also I have no butt and what I mean by that is I have uh, bigger than average uh, shoulders chest back um, and arms ish I let my arms kind of go a little bit I don't really think about that much they used to be bigger than average and then um, my legs used to be a little bit skinnier than average this is the way I'm built Um, the bigger than average upper body comes from uh, just swimming and push-ups all the military stuff I did and weightlifting, and then, um, which goes hand in hand with military stuff. You know, dude's like to get huge, get swole. And then, um, we didn't have that term back then. And then, uh, um, all the cycling and running I've done over doing triathlon the past 15 years or so, uh, my legs have gotten bigger. Uh, so now they're kind of average size. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is a nice. How about that? And then nice and average. And then, uh, but for whatever reason, I'm one, of, I'm one of those guys that has no butt and a uh, white dude with no ass. And uh, I'm cool with that. You know, that's the way I was built. And um, the rest of my body would be nothing if I didn't hadn't worked on that. <laughs> so it's not that my butt's undersized. My butt's normal sized for my build. Uh, the rest of me's oversized from all the exercise crap and uh, so the squat rack I'm you know I'm, I'm doing like leg extensions and cur- uh, hamstrings, stuff like that and I'm like, man, I'm doing all these different machines and free weights and stuff and' I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the I've never really enjoyed the squat rack um, but the squat and there's a squat rack machine which is nice and safe and then I'm looking at it and it's just got the diagram on it that's got the muscles colored in on what it works and I'm like, Jesus, man, I should be totally doing the squat rack because it works your ass big time and, uh, and your quads and your hamstrings and you can even, you know, when you're done with a rep, you can kind of push with your toes and work your calves. I'm like, I could just live on this machine and my legs and butt could get really, really powerful and I could be a much better, uh, swimmer, I mean swimmer, um, I could be a much better cyclist and runner if I, uh, if I, you know, got into doing the squat rack, just like I used to get into certain weights, um, to become a better swimmer, which worked. Um, I was a fantastic sprint swimmer because I was, I was weightlifting at the time, a whole bunch of upper body stuff that was all kind of swimming focused, and so I, I could overpower the water in spite of having just kind of average um, uh, hydrodynamics, you know, efficiency. Um, so there's that. So I'm going to hopefully uh, get into using the squat rack uh, more often. But I wanted to say with time trials tonight, uh, no squats uh, today or yesterday, but I did them two days ago. And that should set me up nicely for two days later, which would be today. To um, uh, put out some good power on the bike. You got to, if you want to improve something, it's kind of like every other day, uh, stress the system and kind of go by feel a little bit. And I also wanted to mention, uh, uh, I'm enjoying the battery on my heart rate monitor, uh, going kaput and not using it. Um, I got to be a pretty good swimmer, never using heart rate (laughs) as all great swimmers. (laughs) don't use heart rate and just learn to swim by feel. And, um, I'm going to go back to going without heart rate on the run because, uh, for a while we'll see. And on the bike, um, because it makes me pay it without the heart rate. It makes me pay attention more to how I feel and, um, how I'm breathing and stuff like that. And, uh, that's nice. And as a coach, I'm not saying don't, go without heart rate what i'm saying is once you plateau with something and you get the opportunity to kind of experiment and try something else go with that for a while um it does not matter uh, brett sutton would say it really doesn't matter what the tool is as long as the tool improves you and that's the uh, end goal so you always got to keep that in mind and uh, swimming today by the way was a uh, sweet spot intervals and i really like these um what you do and you can do this swimming, biking or running or doing anything. Um, you get warmed up, you know, like 10 minutes, just kind of swimming easy, running easy, biking easy. And then, uh, after a while you pick up the pace and keep picking up the pace, pick up the pace. And then over a few minutes, um, you get where it's uh, starting to tire you a little bit. And once you notice it's tiring you, then, uh, you stop back off and recover. um, you can hang out at the wall for a second. Not long. Do not hang out at the wall for a long time talking to people or whatever. That is, that is the poison of, of swimming is people hanging out at the wall. A lot of times I'll, uh, if I see somebody that's hanging out at the wall and I know they're going to try to talk to me, I end my set or whatever I'm doing, if I'm taking a break for a second, at the other wall or in the middle of the pool because you'll start talking, they'll start tar- talking, and the next thing you know, you've wasted 10 minutes of your hour um, talking to people it's uh, the worst thing in swimming whatsoever is seeing um, age groupers, triathletes that aren't good swimmers spending all this time in the pool uh, talking instead of swimming. And uh, if you were on real swim teams uh, growing up, the pain and agony of real swim teams, you realize there is such little time on the wall hanging out and talking. It's bam, 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 bam. Intervals, 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 and no rest, very little rest. And, uh, and you keep going and uh, there's the right amount of rest. But sitting around and talking with people at the edge just makes you want to rip your... When you see that as a, as a competitive swimmer, um, uh, it makes you want to just rip your hair out. It's like, dude, you got to swim. You would not do this running. You would talk while you were running or you would talk while you were biking. But you can't do that while swimming, so people stop. And then because they're stopped, they're not swimming. And guess what they're not doing? Getting better. <laughs> anyway. Hello. That is cool. The recorder paused for a uh, phone call. All right, um, sweet spot intervals, and I think that's it. All right, I need to go inside. Uh, Today is uh, work breakfast day, um, and I'm going to sit there and eat a banana and watch other people enjoy nice food. (laughs) All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, leaving the pool. Nice little swim. Got crap in my throat. throat. Darth Vader. James Earl Jones. And... Uh, Time trials last night was a semi-bust. I got on my bike and started pedaling. And no power meter. (laughs) Yay! And restarted uh, my bike computer. And no power meter. And even worse, my... uh, There's a guy pedaling across me as I'm trying to get across the intersection. When the seat's really low and they pedal really slow, um, what do they call that? Uh, it's like a moonwalker or something like that. It just looks really funny. Anyway, um, just a dude pedaling his bicycle. Uh, the, uh, I went, oh my God, catch up, catch up. Uh, went, uh, got to the starting line. There's water across the road because we had Tropical Storm Bill. Uh Water across the road About two thirds of way Through the time trial course And so we do out and back And so we decided to go to the bridge And back instead So it cut down 12 miles Down to just 8 And it goes to show you How you get good at what you do And because the course was different I uh, felt off the entire way Because I didn't know <clears throat> You know Because I haven't raced it a bunch So I don't know uh, Like how hard to go Because it's unfamiliar, you know, in a weird way. And I got beat. I got straight up beat by six seconds by my new arch nemesis, which was fun. He was so excited that he (laughs) won. He just straight up beat me. And uh, what was funny was, um, it was 19 minutes about. What was funny was, uh, start off and it's open road. So there's just the smallest amount of traffic And there's a pothole that you have to, if you go to the right, it's really sketchy. And you're going high speed. And if you go left, well, then you're kind of out in traffic. And it's a two-lane road with um, no shoulder. So I look to my left as a pothole is coming up. And it's after a bend, of course. And it's right before a hill. And I look to my left. And there's there's a car. There's a big truck. Uh, well, just a pickup truck uh, behind me, waiting to go around me. And uh, I'm like, crap, I'm going to have to go to the right side of the pothole. And it's sketchy. The pavement's breaking apart right there. And uh, so I kind of mess up my gearing a little bit and I try to go to the right. And then as I go to the right, I'm like, I need to switch into another gear, gear down because we're about to go up a hill. And it just totally discombobulated me. And when things come down to seconds, you know, that's the kind of stuff that messes you up. And um, I uh, did the turner, you know, was uh, <clears throat> struggling to find my gear, like I'm struggling to find my words, and went to, uh, yeah, it was a lot like what I've been doing the past couple minutes. And the uh, across the finish line, we had a whole bunch of new people show up. Oh, it was kind of cool. You know, Hey, is, uh, is this the time trials? <laughs> Dude's rolling up. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, mind if I take part? Yeah, dude, come on. And um, when we finished, uh, Daniel was super excited that he beat me. And I was stoked for him, too, because that's fun to go back and forth. It gives me something to work for. And then um, we were laughing about it. And then he said, hey, do you want to ride some more? because we're used to doing 30 minutes hard and we only did like 19. And he goes, do you want to do an out and back of, uh, of uh, some inter- some uh, threshold work? And I said, you read my mind because that's exactly what I want to do. This was, uh, you know, two days of tapering for, uh, for time trials of 30 minutes of hard work and then only doing half, just a little over half that. I was like, you bet. And I want to go out and hammer some more. So we went down this other road out and back, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. So we made, uh, uh, took lemons and made some lemonade out of that, just brutal, side-by-side, hammering up this huge shoulder, and it's uh, rolling hills, nice, good hills, and uh, oh, man, and one time I just went, I yelled out like a choo-choo train, I went, woo yeah. Man, oh, it was so good. And um, it takes me you know a while to warm up. and as the we did that f- uh, for a total of uh, 15 minutes more. we did seven and a half out, and seven and a half back, um, all with a headwind and then we'd added on another hill as well. and uh, it really worked my legs really, really nice. And that was last night. I was super excited and then went to bed, woke up. And oh, Kai did. um, While I was gone, Kai uh, missed triathlon practice yesterday because of boy scout camp, Cub scout camp, and so he did um, two miles biking, one mile run, two miles bike, no half half mile run, and he did that twice, like back and forth, back and forth. And when I got home, he had done that, and he was exhausted. But that was pretty cool. Oh, bird just got hit. Oh no, that's sad. (sighs) <sighs> um, that's a bummer, it made me sad to see that, the, uh, the, uh, swim this morning, woke up, was pretty, pretty cooked from last night, um, but, so that's a good time to swim, right, because lower body's kind of cooked, and, um, did intervals, got to the pool, and swam easy, and just did, uh, there's a way to do intervals that I like, where you just keep increasing speed and keep increasing speed, and over a few minutes, and then when you hit, uh, you hit a point where your form starts to come apart, and actually you kind of you can tell you're kind of probably slowing down and you're fading, and you do that for like 30 seconds, and then uh, then just give up entirely and get a nice rest and uh, stand by the wall, and uh, yeah, and then some lady started trying talking to me. The use uh, your blinker, dude. So I know what you're doing. The um, oh, I almost hit a car <laughs> driving to the pool this morning. I I've taught Kai uh, when uh, we got the Nissan Xterra, we got a white one, and I told him don't. I do not want. There's like there's like a really cool silver and gray and black uh, models of Nissan Xterras. They look beautiful, but I said, uh, you know, the safest thing is to get a car that's a bright color. Um, because dark colored cars blend in with the road, and then that's when you get hit head on or get somebody turning into you because they can't see you. And that almost happened this morning where I tried to change lanes. I looked behind me and to the right uh, to make sure, looked in my blind spot. There's no car, so I start to change lanes slowly with my blinker on, and all of a sudden I get the horn you know, holy crap! And yeah, there was somebody there. I don't let this guy go and, uh, there was a woman that was there in the lane. And then I noticed it was like a soft gray car. And I just never saw it because it blended in with the asphalt, the worn asphalt of the road, totally a hundred percent, never even saw it. So if you want to be safe, a bright colored helmet on your bike, if you can, a white bike, a yellow bike, red bike, um, same thing with your car Uh, you know er, you may be fine but statistics add up bright colored cars get hit less often because people see them and people with same thing with people with neon helmets they're seen; they're more visible Kai's got a black helmet right now and it's starting to break apart Uh, the straps are and he needs a new helmet and we're gonna get him a light colored helmet so that he's more visible in traffic for example and uh, anyway, so swim was good. Had an amrita bar uh, afterwards. Half of an amrita bar that was leftovers in my swim bag from a couple of days ago. They're fine if you. Maybe it was a leftover from yesterday. And let's see. For breakfast, there's like a, I had quinoa uh, cereal. It's kind of like groats and quinoa, and maybe something else and whatever. It's a cereal that when you add milk to it, it you let it sit for a few minutes and it kind of swells up and it's really slow carb it's really really nice and then um, I usually eat coconut milk uh, for lower calories but um, there wasn't any left and I need to go get some add that to my grocery list and then what did I have Uh, oh and an apple I ate an apple on the way and I could tell by how juicy the apple was and I was craving the the water in the apple um, but I'm, I'm a little bit dehydrated and that's from the biking last night, <sighs> ended up being like an hour and a half of cycling around, a lot of standing and waiting to go for the time trials and waiting for the results to be added up. And, uh, the, um, sorry, somebody pulled out in front of me in traffic again, the, uh, My thoughts together. I got a meeting, like first thing. <laughs> I need to eat something. Uh, so anyway, uh, hydrating. I need to hydrate. But the intervals felt really good, and I didn't even count them. Just do them, and if you rest enough after. Hey, there's a bunny rabbit. What is- Dude, he's just sitting on the curb, just going to town on some grass. Oh, I saved a crawfish out of the parking lot the other day. It's been raining so much. I, I was taking a walk in the parking lot, and a crawfish just in the middle of the parking lot, just walking across it. And a co-worker and I threw him in the creek. And I say, how do you know it's a boy? It could be a girl. Why do we assume it's a boy crawfish? One time I caught a scorpion and kept it in a fish aquarium on my desk for a few weeks or months. And uh, I named it a girl. I named it Scully the Scorpion uh, off of like X-Files. This was a long time ago. And Agent Scully. And I remember everybody was just like, why is it a girl? I go, why is it? Why would it be a boy? Right? All right. 50 women in the Kona. All right. That's it. Out. Got to go. Bye. All right. We are at another kids' triathlon, this time right here in College Station at Aggieland, right in the middle of campus at Texas A&M University. Johnny Football's uh, origins, I guess. And they're swimming in the Texas A&M uh, aquatic center which is incredible it's an absolutely amazing pool i know that's going to be a big impact in his life to to swam have swam swam swim swam swam in uh, such a <clears throat> an amazing it's really one of the most incredible pools i've ever seen and uh, we're stationed near the bike rack area i've got kona the uh, wonder dog with me, this giant black lab that's a complete goofball, and he's uh, um, decided to bark at any other dog around and act like a, a nut. So we're kind of by ourselves over here. <laughs> and Emily's uh, inside the natatorium with um, with Kai, and they're going to start in just a couple minutes, probably. She's supposed to text me whenever she's done, or whenever Kai starts and then we will be uh, out here at the uh, transition area waiting for him to get on his bike. If your kid isn't in the triathlon, you might not know this, but Kids Try has as many top-end, high-line, fancy bikes in it that uh, way, way more than you'd imagine, and um, the, the skills that they learn... That they're learning at age uh, seven eight nine ten is out of this world uh, the gear and the uh, all the stuff so if you're wondering if it's worth your time and your kid likes triathlon uh, or likes swimming biking and running you want to get them into a freaking awesome sport uh, this is it uh, the bike for example Kai's got a specialized road bike that's a, a Dulce, which is a women's bike, because the little kids do do fine on those. But it's pretty nice, and he's riding my front zip wheel, you know, a car- carbon deep dish wheel on the front. Uh, he would <laughs> ride the rear, except that um, his gearing doesn't match up, and uh, the number of gears, and with his rear derailleur. But the bike right next to him is a felt with, <laughs> it's this little girl, and she's got zip. Uh, front and rear wheels and bike computer and it just goes on and on and on Like it's really amazing Um, there's another girl on Kai's Kai's team that's riding a Cervelo S5 uh, with zip uh, rental uh, wheels on it and all these kids have their uh, shoes already clipped in, they're riding clipless shoes and they're clipped in on the rack with the rubber bands holding the heels up um, they just look like miniature adults that are really 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 fast it's pretty cool And uh, but then you have the mix of the kids that are just getting into it and uh, you know riding their huffies with the basket on the front and tassels and stuff like that so it just kind of depends um, yeah it's a uh, humid overcast it might rain a little bit um, in fact, I've sensed a sp- very rare sprinkle, but I think it's okay. And I think when I come back on, we'll uh, be cheering for Kai, and it'll be pretty cool. Hold on. Oh, I should mention, a um, uh, bunch of kids were out yesterday as a team, Kai's team included, uh, pre riding the course. So they take this stuff pretty seriously. It's a lot of fun. You get to hang out with the other parents and stuff. Uh, pre riding the course and uh hold on there's another dog oh that's what i was going to mention was the um the whole thing with the uh, you could see how like a therapy dog actually works because <laughs> all the kids want to pet the dog and then some of them were saying um we're gonna go faster for you kona and i'm like okay i guess so but the uh it takes the edge off the um the wondering and the the mystery and the fear of uh, completing a race to have a a lovey dog kind of next to you—it's pretty interesting how all that works. All right, go, Kai! Woo! Yeah! Go, Kai! Looking good! Woo! Perfect! Okay, he's going around the turn, on the run. I mean, going to his bike, running from the swim. T1. He's in T1. Watch how fast this is. (laughs) This is so cool. And he's now to his bike right now. Put on the helmet. Good job, Kai! And then snapped his helmet, lift his bike, going around the corner. And that's it. Now he's going to the bike exit. Isn't that crazy, how fast they are? And now to the mount line. Good job, Kai, go, go! Go, Mounting, rubber band snap as he starts pedaling off. And now he's putting on his shoes. Sweet, that was awesome. So how did Kai do on the swim?
1: Awesome. He looks so cool jumping in that big huge pool. (laughs) Cool. Alright.
0: Woo! Kai! That's lap one Kai! Lap one!
1: Alright!
0: Good job! Go Kai, that's, go, go, go. that's two. Go, go, go. <laughs> he looks exhausted. <laughs> Good job Kai, go, go, go. go, go, go. Woo! All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Woo. For this episode, I need to put this one in the bank. I'm about to go out on a long run with, uh, with a friend. He's going to do the first hour of it. He's getting back into running, and I'm going to be going so easy that it should be an easy pace for him, even though it's hot. 6 p.m. here in Texas, it's probably 85, 90 degrees, uh, really, really humid. And uh, two hours before my run, actually like an hour and a half because I got kind of started late. Um, I ate, uh, green beans with, uh, some carrots and there were some new potatoes and uh, a little bit of beef tips in there and it came with, um, Merlot sauce, but I just kind of dribbled just a little bit of the Merlot sauce on there. Cause you know, it's manufactured, it's pre-packaged, so it's probably crap. So I just did just a tiny bit of that for flavor and salt and pepper, sea salt and pepper, And then I also had some kale-stuffed pasta um, and with uh, guacamole on top of it, a lot of guacamole, um, which is high in fat. It's really good. And uh, a little bit of sriracha on it. And holy cow, that was yummy, man. (laughs) And I'm letting that settle. I learned from doing the time trials that um, even though I'd eat two hours beforehand, um, if I ate too much, then it would start to back up into my esophagus uh, as, my, as I was pushing my body really, really hard. And I'm not going to be pushing that hard, and this is going to be a lot longer, so it's got some extra time. But um, also, I have uh, left over from my Saturday long bike ride uh, uh, about almost 300 calories of fuel that I put into, I put the fuel bottle in the fridge when I was done with my ride, and um I've been saving it and I put that into some running bottles uh, mixed in with water and stuff like that. And I'll uh break that up over two hours. Two hours and fifteen minutes is my goal tonight. Next episode, we'll talk about uh how, how well it went. We'll save that as a as a cliffhanger. <laughs> my extremely boring two and a half hours, 15 minute run. But uh that's Sunday evening. Um couldn't Uh, run early this morning because of kai's triathlon which was a ton of fun father's day thing he just got mad at me and uh finally stormed out of the house to go ride his bike because um, he didn't want to go swim at the pool with his friends and when i asked why he said he didn't know but didn't want to go swim and his friends left to go to the pool and then he went over to the couch and pulled out an ipad to continue playing a video game and i said that's it give me the ipad and turn off the TV if you're not going to go to the pool then you're not going to play video games either and then after a while he kind of after he threw a little bit of a fit he decided it was more fun not to be in the house with nothing to do so now he's out uh outside uh probably went to the pool
1: <laughs>
0: oh parenting 101 and then um let's see uh uh yesterday's bike ride I did a 3 hour ride um cuz that's kind of what I felt like doing it was really hot and stuff so I thought I'd uh, we got started early at 7:30 me and Daniel and uh, um average like 230 watts normalized power um just nice 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 and I was using infinite as my fuel I did a custom blend that reminds me I need to order some more and the um I don't know if I'll order custom anymore but it's uh, definitely nice and I did. I made a bottle that was three hours at 300 calories per hour, and I ended up only using two thirds of it. And was hammering at the end, uh, just feeling incredible. I knocked out like 62 miles, you know, 21 miles an hour. It was windy and rolling terrain. And uh, Daniel, who's an awesome cyclist, was like, "Holy crap, dude! You buried me today." And I was like, "Wow, I was feeling pretty good there at the end." so just like uh oh what's his name um i'll think of his name in a second sometimes less is more there's a sweet spot of enough carbs to make you uh to give you the energy to do what you need to do but like mafetone will say um and that's not the less is more guy but it kind of is but that's not the person i'm thinking of um dave mira is the guy i'm thinking of uh the, uh, but Maffetone says if you eat too many carbs, especially simple carbs, it shuts off your body's ability to, to burn fat as fuel. And uh, so you want just enough to keep you happy. And uh, fat, I don't know how true this really is, but the saying, fat burns on a, on a carb fire, it's true until you get too many carbs. And then too many carbs turns on your insulin reaction or flood your body with insulin and apparently insulin uh once you get enough of that in your system well that turns off your fat burning so it's like a cascade it's a chain effect it's good up until a point and then after a point then it's bad too much and um we're gonna have somebody on a show uh pretty soon that's gonna be talking about that looking over my blood results i'm at the upper upper limit as of the blood test of um but the blood test looks over three months and I think I'm getting better of a carb burner. And um, and I'm slowly working my way back down. And like, like you just heard, that stuff I was eating is uh, very, very slow. Uh, uh, the stuff I ate before my run today, very, very slow burning and uh, does not cause a big insulin spike. And the, um, And then on the bike, what I was doing, yeah, I wanted to talk, talk about this on the show. What I was doing was I take a, a, a small mouthful, more than a sip, but less than a glug. How about that? Of, uh, fuel. And then I would just wait until I got hungry again. And then when I got hungry again, I would take another one. And that way I'm, res- instead of being on a timer, which ignores what your body actually needs, um, You're training your body, not a clock. I always say that, or not the stopwatch. So um, I was responding to, I'm hungry now, I could use a little bit of fuel. And uh, learning about how much is the right amount. And when I was doing that, that's what actually works for me. And whoa, holy crap, way, way better. And not trying to do, you know, the thing where you keep trying to train your body up with carbs. That just doesn't, I've done that, you know, and it just doesn't seem to work for me. Um, I think I overdid that over all these years. And then another thing is a long section of the ride, about 30 minutes or 40 minutes was uphill and into the wind. And I noticed after that, I hit the lap button before that part of the ride that I averaged like 15 more Watts than usual up that part. And, um, the fuel that I had taken on already started to come up. Just it, I kind of burped a little bit, and basically my heart rate was high, higher than normal. And basically, you're working harder, and then what that does is it shuts down your ability to your body's ability to absorb the calories that you just took in, and it messes you up, and um, you bonk. But then because you slow down you're, you're, uh, you're not feeling as strong. Well, then you take on more fuel as the answer, but your body can't absorb the more fuel because you're already going harder and it's a problem, you know? And so I did the lap button to prove to myself that I was suspicious, that I was going harder on this uphill section into the wind. Cause I, I think I usually do. It's my regular route. And, um, then after a while, my stomach settled a little bit and then I got back to fueling, uh, normal again. And everything started clicking over again. And like I said, I had an awesome end of the ride. So uh, less is more. And especially if you're going harder, uh, you need to take even less, actually, because you're not going to be able to absorb it. Um, because your body's sending all of its energy to its muscles instead of your digest- digestive tract. It's pretty cool. Um, so in the end, I was probably doing about 250 calories an hour, I think. Or maybe less, maybe 215 or 220. Um, anyway, that's it. Let's see. we've got uh, sound probiotics. I want you to check them out. I take one sound probiotic every day, and I love it. it. They last forever when you get I've got two bottles of it. I think I'm just finishing the first bottle <laughs> and uh, after a long time, and they I said at the beginning of the last show that they have bacteria in them. They do not have bacteria in them. They have the food that healthy bacteria prefer, and so what you're doing is you're creating a food supply for the good stuff. And the good stuff is what you need uh, to keep your immune system functioning better. 70% of your immune function is, immune system comes from your digestive tract. That's a pretty cool thing to know. And if you have the healthy bacteria in there, then that helps you ward off the bad stuff that'll get you sick. And the worst way to ruin, the fastest and biggest way to ruin your training is to get sick or to get injured. So you can avoid the whole getting sick by having healthy bacteria in your digestive tract by feeding them good stuff. It's kind of like feeding fish. You know, you want to feed them healthy food, you sprinkle it in there and then the fish are happy and they're just kicking butt and it's really, really nice. Anyway, you can go to Sound Probiotics. Just like Rachel Joyce is sponsored by them. It's pretty cool. And get 10% off with discount code ZENTRY. Check them out. Try ZENTRY in all caps. And uh, check them out. Big sponsor of the show. Really enjoy that they're helping us out. And I enjoy not being sick ever. (laughs) I almost got sick the other day. I felt under the weather last Monday for about two hours. And then I was fine again. It drives Emily nuts. But Emily pumps her own gas, So, as she says. So I can't get her to do anything unless it's her choice. She's a lot like me. And uh, so someday she'll take these probiotics. But anyway, that's it for the episode. I want everybody to stay safe out there. Stay tuned for next show. And work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. You all right, Kai? Did you have a good ride?
1: You rock.